Warning, Tongue and Geek contains heavy spoilers. If you haven't read, watched, or played the content being reviewed this episode, know that we will definitely spoil major plot points. Also, this show isn't for kids. We use words like and and it would take too much time and effort to edit them all out. Please don't tell our moms. Don't stop, don't stop, we're in luck now. Don't stop, there's so much to be found. We can find paradise. All we have to do is go, go free your soul. Dragon soul. Konnichiwa, lovely listeners. Welcome to the first anime episode of Tongue and Geek, where two more white guys on the internet give their unsolicited opinions on all things geeky. I'm Isaac. I'm Tyler. And today we will be talking about the most normie level of anime series, Dragon Ball Z. Specifically, Dragon Ball Z Kai, which is a revised version of the original anime, uh, which was based on the Dragon Ball manga by Akira Toriyama. We're specifically going to be looking at the Saiyan Saga for this episode, uh, which covers the first 18 episodes of Kai. Uh, that are focused on the arrival of Raditz, Nappa, and Vegeta on Earth. We usually do like a little background segment, but I don't feel we need to get too deep into the background of Dragon Ball itself here. Like, I can cover a little bit of that. Instead, I'd like to cover our personal backgrounds with this, because we're on very different levels of fandom on this one. Um, So, I I guess I'll go first, because I'm the longer-term fan. I grew up, didn't really watch Dragon Ball when I was younger. I had some friends and some cousins who watched it. In middle school, I had heard from uh, a friend to check out this uh, abridged series online, which I had no idea what that was. It was Team Four Stars, a bridge series of Dragon Ball Z. So I actually saw the abridged series first before I watched the anime. And I fell in love with that series because Team Four Stars is just freaking hilarious. And I decided to check out the the actual Dragon Ball series, the actual uh, DBZ. I started with the manga because I wanted to... I was kind of intimidated by the long, long episode list, a long episode count. So I read through the manga, and then I watched through the original Dragon Ball anime, which I loved, Uh, and then I watched part of the original Dragon Ball Z anime, and to be honest, I never finished all of the original Dragon Ball Z anime, just because I found the pacing too slow, and there's a lot of filler, and a bunch of stuff that just kind of turned me off from it, and having... pissed off a bunch of... I know... I'm going Old to do that. School fans. I know I did. I'm going to I'm going to speak my mind though. I find the original Dragon Ball Z anime the pacing's really really bad. There's whole episodes where guys will just stare at each other and not throw a punch and it's just like that's no good in an action series. But then I checked out Kai which is a lot closer to the manga. Uh, it cuts out a lot of the filler, not just in filler arcs and episodes, but in, like, actual, the middle of fights. They don't just, like, stand around talking and monologuing and staring at each other for long periods now. They actually, like, fight. And I fell in love with Kai, so that's my history, I guess, with Dragon Ball. Um, Tyler, you want to give yours? Yeah, but first let me uh, preface mine by saying yours is a very roundabout sort of <laughs> way to get into It into really the is. 
I would have figured you were totally uh, the kid that came home to watch it on Toonami after school. No, I was like I was actually there. one of those dipshit kids who was like, why is your comic book backwards whenever I saw manga for like the first few times? I, d- I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. And then I checked out T- Team Four Stars Abridged on YouTube and I was like, this is hilarious. I wonder how the original series is. So late middle school, early high school was when I finally got around to checking out Dragon Ball. Interesting. For me, um, I was the perfect age to watch it and get into it when it was first airing in the States. But for some reason, I never did. I don't know why I never watched it. I was aware of it. Um, I remember kids talking about it on the playground and like acting it out and stuff because, I mean, it took over. Maybe I thought it looked stupid or boring or something and I just never gave it a chance. But throughout the years, like it's become such a cultural touchstone. Like, it's one of the, you know, animes that came over to the West that, like, really introduced the West to anime in general. Yeah, it is the jock and, of anime. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, the popular jock in high... If if anime was a high school, Dragon Ball is the popular jock. And um, just just through, you know, pop cultural osmosis, like, I, I feel like I already have watched it just because, like, I know, you know, I know all the characters' names, like, Goku, Cell, Frieza, Vegeta, Gohan, like... Yeah, I know them. I know them by name. I even know them by appearance and stuff like that. But I've never actually just watched it, even though I've always wanted to. But of course, like the long length of the original court with with all the filler and stuff like that, the original series yeah. was intimidating to me as well. And um, I heard about Kai. I think through you originally. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. I'd like to watch that. But like, you can't freaking watch it anywhere. It's not available. So mm-hmm. I just never got around to it until. Um, one of my, my sister-in-law's boyfriend actually bought the whole series on Blu-ray, overpriced, overpriced Blu-ray. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, Hey man, uh, so when are you going to let me borrow that? So that's, <laughs> that's how I started watching it. I just started watching it a couple weeks ago and, uh, I fell deep. I'm, yeah. I'm, tot- I'm totally into it. He now. is. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful watching this from like an old time fan's perspective because I tried to get you into Dragon Ball a few times. I lent you the manga. I told you like, hey, just check out these episodes and stuff. And you're like, nah, nah. I don't. I think I'm good. Or you checked them out a little bit and you're like, eh, it's still not for me. And then just all of a sudden you send me a Snapchat of like, here's, I'm doing it. And I'm like, okay. And then like two weeks later, you're like, I have already watched through the first like 50 episodes. Like <laughs> you just blasted through them. It was amazing. Um, I guess the time is right. Yeah. I, I mean, I am all about it. So we're going to have a really interesting dynamic between the two of us with me having a little bit, a lot more experienced than you. I wouldn't say that I'm the biggest, I'm certainly not the biggest Dragon Ball fan. It's been hugely influential on me, and I love the series, but I wouldn't call it, like, my favorite anime. Like, I love the series, don't get me wrong, but it's it's going to be interesting to talk about, because whenever I think about talking about Dragon Ball, it's like, what can I say that hasn't been said before? But then we have your lens, where you're, like, seeing all of this for the first time, so we're going to have an interesting dynamic this episode. I guess I will get into a few of the specifics about the series background. So it was created, the manga was created by Akira Toriyama. Uh, it was released from 1984 to 1995. The original Dragon Ball anime ran from 86 to 89, and then Dragon Ball Z ran from 89 to 96. Uh, Dragon Ball Z Kai 
was released in commemoration of the 20, 20th and 25th anniversaries of the Dragon Ball Z anime, because Kai's technically separated into two series. It's Dragon Ball Z Kai and then Dragon Ball Z Kai, the final chapters, uh, which covers the Majin Buu saga. They weren't originally planning to uh, cover the Buu saga for some reason. They just decided, hey, we're just going to stop after Cell. Um, so those released from 2009 to 2011 and then from 2014 to 2015. Uh, the biggest differences between the original Z anime and Kai, there's some visual differences. It's in, Kai's in HD. It's got clearer visuals, uh, different ratios. Like I said earlier, they cut a lot of the anime only content and filler. Uh, the original Dragon Ball Z anime is 200, just Z, not all of Dragon Ball, is 291 episodes. Uh, Kai, in its total, is 167. Uh, so that's a lot of stuff to cut out. That's almost half of the episodes that they managed to cut down or cut out entirely. Yeah, that's um, absolutely nuts to me. Yeah, it's crazy, like, how much there was in the original series. And, like, I, I'm not going to act like all of the filler in Dragon, the original Dragon Ball Z is bad. Like, there's a lot of iconic moments. Like, we were talking about how there's an episode where Goku and Piccolo go to get their driver's license. Like, that's, yeah, that's a, like that's a favorite. It's a fun little one to do. Um, there's some episodes in the Saiyan saga that have Vegeta and Nappa stopping at a planet along the way and just blowing it up. Um, a little more. Some of them add some cool details, like what the Z fighters actually did when they were training to fight the Saiyans. But really what cuts down the original anime is just the sheer volume of filler in between things. Like, like I said, the pacing is just awful in the original anime. I'm, I'm gonna piss off so many OG anime fans, but it's, it's just so slow with, they just stare at each other for episodes at a time and they don't throw punches and they don't fight. And it's like, this is an action series. Pick up the pace. Come on. Um, even in Kai, I've noticed there's, there's still some of that. Like, yeah, Dragon Ball stand around and give each other the Western stare for a while and then kind of talk at each other and then. Go at it. So Dragon Ball, even was, in Kai, if that's around. So for the original to stretch out even even more, I'm just like, oh. yeah. <laughs> Dragon Ball always did that anyway, just because it's sort of the way Akira Toriyama worked. He set a lot of the standards of how Shonen works, where you know people stand around, have monologues in the middle of battles and stuff. Uh, a lot of influence on later Shonen series. But, like, when you top that sort of style, that sort of style is fine, but when you top it with, like, filler in between things where it's just, like, stretched out even further, it's just unacceptably slow. So, for all five Dragon Ball fans who are still listening, some of the other differences, uh, they re-recorded the voice track with mostly the same voice actors from the original. Uh, there's an... This is interesting. There was actually a new soundtrack... Uh, but because of plagiarism claims, they restored the original Dragon Ball Z soundtrack for the Blu-ray and stuff. But when it originally aired on TV, there was a completely different soundtrack, which I heard mixed things about. A lot of people hated it. A lot of people thought it was cool. And, oh, one other big difference that I kind of hate about Kai that I do like about the original Dragon Ball Z. It, Dragon Ball Z Kai was released, at least in the West, on, like, Nicktoons and stuff. And because of that, it was aimed towards, like, younger audiences. And they censor a lot of the violence. Not in, like, the actual fights and stuff, but, like, the blood. They cut down on the blood. I, I noticed in the Saiyan Saga, whenever... Piccolo uses his attack against Raditz and Goku. 
and blasts a hole through both of them. It's, instead, they just make it like a big bruise on both of their chests. And it's like, we saw that beam pierce their chests. Like, you're not fooling anyone. We saw those two die. Like, in the original, they have big gaping holes in their chest. And in, like, Kai, they just have, like, these big dark bruises. And it's like, come on, man. We all know what just happened there. So, that's kind of obnoxious, but it's not a deal-breaker by any means. And those are, I think, most of the main... Oh, some dialogue changes to make it closer to the manga. I didn't know I didn't know it was censored, but, like, a, a few characters have been, like, beamed through the torso already. And, like, it's just left kind of like the black smear smudge yeah. thing. And I'm like, I wonder if that's, like... Yeah, that's censored. Yeah, in the original, you could actually see... Although, I think some of, like, the early Western dubs censored it, too. But, like, in the sub, the original sub, like, you could definitely see, like, the gaping holes, like, the blood coming out of it. Was, it was a lot more brutal. Kai just cuts down on some of the blood and stuff. But not a deal breaker, just kind of obnoxious. Alrighty, then. Now that we got some background out of the way. Yeah, let's, um, let's get into the main thing. You have any points you want to start out with, or should we jump straight into a recap? I guess I will jump into my sort of initial thoughts when yeah. I started. Yeah, um, I knew that Z was a continuation of the original Dragon Ball, mm-hmm. but I didn't know to what extent. So the first episode just kind of like drops you into the middle of like this ongoing story. And I was like, uh, uh, okay, <laughs> I know that's Goku and like, I know that's Piccolo and I know that little kid, Gohan's his son, but like, who are all these other characters and what the, <laughs> yeah. it, took, it took me a second to kind of catch up to what it was doing, but I was going to say what, a lot of fan or a lot of a lot of new people who want to get into Dragon Ball don't know is that like the manga was never it it wasn't called Dragon Ball Z until like much later on when it was published like it was always just the Dragon Ball manga so when they split like the anime into Dragon Ball and then Dragon Ball Z people were like oh I can just start with Z because that's the ones everybody's talking about and it's like that's just smack dab in the middle of Goku's story <laughs> like they really don't take any time to, like, reintroduce the characters or anything. Kai has a little weird intro where it actually covers some stuff that was supposed to come up later in the anime, um, and it kind of spoils some of the surprise later on. Like, you don't know that Frieza destroyed planet Vegeta until, like, the middle of the Namek saga uh, in the original Z, but in here they just start off with them showing, like, Frieza blowing up planet Vegeta and Goku's dad, Bardock, trying to stop him. Um, which was, I, th- I thought, thought that was kind of weird to just throw that in at the very beginning instead of saving that mystery for later. But I guess it was Guy's a later. Goku's dad? Spoilers! Huh? <laughs> I didn't know that guy was Goku's dad. They Spoilers. say it. They tell they you do? that. Yeah. Oh, I, I guess I don't remember that little bit. He must have missed that. I mean, he's not going to come up again because he's not technically canon. He was an anime-only edition. He wasn't like a... He, they don't really go into Bardock in the manga. Okay. Yeah. Weird. He's cool, though. We should definitely watch the Bardock special. He's he's a very interesting character. But yeah, it, it really does just throw you in. It's like, here's these characters. Oh, the world's in danger. This guy's an alien. Let's do this. In fact, it throws even more at you, because whereas the original Dragon Ball is all like martial arts, fantasy, action series, suddenly it's like, oh, we have aliens and space and Goku's an alien and this is his brother and it just starts throwing ideas at you out the gate. Yeah, it, it, it took me a second to kind of adjust to that. Well, I'm like, because I'm like, well, yeah, this is your fault because you didn't, you know, <laughs> you didn't watch Dragon Ball, so. Yeah. 
you, you kind of should have expected this, but um, it's easy to catch on. I was just like, okay, like there's an old green looking piccolo up in heaven, I guess. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> oh. and he's got the creepy looking, like uh, genie looking guy. Uh, the with racist, the red lips and- yeah, the racist genie, <laughs> blackface, Mr. Popo. Mr. Popo. Yeah. Do you know I like that the character? He's, he's, he's fun, but I'm just like, hmm. Do you know that Mr. Popo was actually originally censored too for Kai? They made him blue. Yeah, I saw they made him blue. Yeah. <laughs> like when they aired it on Nickelodeon or something like that. Yeah, on Nicktoons. It's, oh, God. Yeah, some things didn't age well from Dragon Ball. And then, like, uh, Goku dies in, like, the first or second episode. Yeah. And, like, goes to heaven. I'm like, okay, this is. I'm just gonna have to strap in here. Yeah, that's that's crazy that they kill the protagonist in the first, like, three episodes. Like, that was a bold choice for Z to start with. Granted, they were following the manga, and that's where the manga just kind of was at the time, but, like, if you had no idea what... If you didn't watch Dragon Ball, and then just suddenly Goku's dead, it's like, what the hell's happening? Yeah, I mean, I said that, I'm like, huh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I wonder how long he's going to be in heaven. Oh, it's a while. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's going to spend a year up there while the Saiyans arrive. This Saiyan comes down to Earth, Raditz, who is apparently Goku's brother. Mm-hmm. And he's all like, hey, you're my brother. Hey, you were supposed to conquer this planet. And Goku's like, what? And I just, I, through the YouTube series Death Battle, like, yeah. I knew that, like, there was this huge, like, rift in geekdom, because they made two videos with Goku versus Superman. Yeah. And, like, the dislike ratio and the comments on both of them are just like, this is bullshit! <laughs> Goku Super <laughs> So, like, I knew there was this, like, thing between, like, Superman and, the, and Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. But then, like, watching just the first couple episodes, I'm like, this is inspired by the Superman story. Yeah. Like, completely. Like, not to the point where I'm gonna like say it's a ripoff. It's it's obviously like done with like love and affection. Yeah. But like the Saiyans are basically just genocidal Kryptonians. We talked about this. This is kind of a predecessor to Invincible in a way. Yeah, kinda. Because like pre- like Invincible is all about turning the Superman mythos into like what if they were bad guys and like that's exactly what the Saiyan race is. They're a race of like murderous like civilization conquering warriors and. Like, their civilization blew up, like, it, like the Superman mythos. It's, like, it's very close to the same storyline as Invincible. I think it's an interesting dynamic that they're, like, this proud warrior race, but, like, at the same time, like, they're basically just, like, middlemen for other powerful people who yeah. want to, like, conquer worlds. Yeah. That's, like, an interesting sort of, like, dichotomy, because they're just basically godly guns for hire. Pretty much, they just, they're strong enough to be mercenaries, and they don't really give a crap about conquering the universe, they just conquer for others. They're like, hey, pay us money and we'll go beat people up, we were gonna beat them up anyway. Unless you're uh, Vegeta, then they don't care about conquering the universe. Yeah, Uh, we'll get to him. Um, So yeah, Raditz, Goku's brother, shows up on Earth, demands that Goku join him in destroying... or conquering the planet, killing all off on Earth so that they can sell it to someone else. He kidnaps Gohan. He's way stronger than anyone Goku's ever faced. Goku has to team up with Piccolo, who was his, like, one of his biggest enemies from the original Dragon Ball series. Uh, And together they fight Raditz and manage to kill him, but only by 
Goku sacrificing himself. So, episode three, our protagonist is dead. Uh, Piccolo, who's been an enemy this whole time, kidnaps Gohan, and everybody gets told, hey, two more Saiyans, way stronger than this one, are on the way to Earth. So, like, three episodes in, we're already like, hot damn, like, the stakes have risen so high. Um, yeah, by episode three, I, I, that's when I decided I, I liked it. Mm-hmm. First, first two episodes, I'm like, okay, this, this is kind of interesting, um, but I'm not sure if it'll, if it'll really grab me. But once, like, Raditz and Piccolo and all them start battling, and, like, there's, like, life or death stakes, I'm just like, okay, yeah, this is kind of cool. Let me ask and, you something real quick. Y- yeah. How do you feel about Raditz? Um, I like his design. Mm-hmm. I like he's just a thick, beefy boy with beautiful, luscious, thick black hair. Yeah. <laughs> but he's he's kind of he's kind of a little bitch. Um, <laughs> he is a little bitch. He's kind of a little bitch. I was kind of disappointed he got killed off so quickly because like he has this familial familial connect, connection with Goku. Yeah. But um, he just made him dying just made way, you know, for for the cooler Saiyan characters. Yeah, essentially. That's what I was gonna talk because like that's a big thing in Dragon Ball is like people talk about like man, Goku's brother just showed up and he's like dead and he's never coming back. We're never gonna talk about him again. We're never like it, he feels like a bit of a wasted potential because like. He's Goku's familial connection, and he shows up demanding all this, and then he's just gone after they kill him. So, yeah, Raditz is a bit of a letdown just because, like, oh, man, there's so much they could have explored there with, like, Goku's brother and Goku having to come to terms with, like, his heritage through his familial connection. But, eh, whatever. We've got better <laughs> Saiyans to fight. <laughs> Piccolo was, is, was interesting for me because... I, I don't think I knew that he was a villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I just knew he was the, the the green guy with the cute antenna on his head. And <laughs> the big so like boy. When, so when we're introduced to him and he's like monologuing, oh, I hate Goku, I'm going to kill him. I'm like, okay, there's a whole backstory there I completely <laughs> missed. <laughs> yeah. You started reading and, the uh, the Dragon Ball manga, haven't you? I did. I started reading the manga because there was too many characters I wasn't familiar with that I wanted to, to know about. Mm-hmm. Mainly Piccolo's backstory and all of Goku's friends like Tien and Yamcha yeah. and Krillin and all that. I didn't start at the very beginning because it would have took me too long to catch up. And when I started it, because I started reading it before when you let me borrow it. Mm-hmm. And like the first couple chapters didn't quite grab me. So I'm like, let me try to find like a good midpoint. Yeah. Where like I won't be totally lost, so I, I just started with the second Budokai tournament where, where they introduced Tien, yeah. and that was an easy kind of launch pad. So uh, you've definitely slowly, at least, you've definitely at least got to go back to the first Budokai tournament because it is beautiful. Um, there's definitely a shift after the first story arc in the original Dragon Ball where it goes from being sort of a parody to Journey of the West to being like an actual like action adventure series. Reading the the manga and watching Kai. Concurrently, it's it's this weird sort of mix of oh, I'm getting the backstory I want, but for two different mediums. Mm-hmm. So, and th- they have different names in the manga, which is a little yeah. Krillin is Kuririn, Kuririn, and they don't call Tien It's longer. Yeah, yeah. I think in the anime they actually like changed some of his clothing that that had he has like a hat at one point that I think says Kuririn. I think in the anime they change it to say Krillin instead. So, yeah, Goku's dead, Piccolo's stolen uh, his baby, and the Saiyans are on their way. So, what what I think is really cool 
about Dragon Ball is the world building. And I'm what I mean is like there's so many different like aesthetics going on. Like the afterlife has like a heaven and a hell and everything, but it also has like planets and stuff and like this whole hierarchy system with the Kais and everything. And, like, we get to see glimpses of that where, like, Kami's, like, the protector of Earth, but that puts him at, like, the bottom of the totem pole under, like, the judge of the dead and King Kai, who's, like, the ruler of, like, all of the galaxies in this area of the universe and everything. So it's, like, there's all this really quickly done but really fun and enjoyable world building just sort of thrown in there where, like, hey, Goku's dead. Now he gets to explore the other world. He's still having an adventure. He's not... Like, it's not, like, a depressing thing. He's just off doing something else somewhere else. Yeah, what struck me about it early on, especially when, you know, Goku's on the snake way and, and, and going to King Kai, like, I knew that it was probably going to be funny because a lot of anime, especially shonen anime, mm-hmm. there's humor in it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't quite know how irreverent this would be. Like... <laughs> It's it's literally half comedy. It's it's not just like epic action and peril. It's there's a lot of humor. Yeah. Like and it's and it's funny humor. Like <laughs> some of it's like genuinely hysterical. <laughs> like King Kai just like has a thing about being funny and telling jokes mm-hmm. and I, I don't wanna repeat anything verbatim because one, I'd butcher it, but it's just it's just really funny and like the the dub because I'm watching the dub. Yeah. Um that's the dub dialogue, the performances are good, and there's just, like, some really funny, like, non-sequiturs and one-liners and a lot of good visual comedy. The, the visual comedy, especially in Dragon Ball. I love Akira Toriyama's style because he can switch between, like, very serious, like, action-heavy sequences and then just, like, corny goofball slapstick real fast. And it doesn't feel, like, out of place when he does it. It all feels like it's connected. Um, which is great. I love King Kai, too, because you, like, before he actually gets there, he's built up as, like, the most powerful of the gods and everything. Like, he's the one who's going to train you in, like, the most secret and powerful techniques in martial arts. And then you get there, and he lives on this tiny, itty-bitty little world where he's got, like, a one single driveway that he drives a car in circles around. <laughs> and he has a pet monkey named Bubbles and a cricket. And he just... Bubbles? <laughs> He's just he just Miyagi's Goku like go catch my monkey <laughs> like it's it's so funny yeah, yeah anything with bubbles was just like hilarious yeah and he he covets this hot rod for no reason he's just like <laughs> omniscient being and he just has like a, a hot rod he loves it's so great he's like, yeah, time to take it out for a spin <laughs> King Kai is so funny yeah the only thing I wish we saw more of with King Kai and I don't. I don't remember if they actually have this in the original anime. I think it was still kind of just skipped over. Is I would have liked to have actually seen more of the actual training sequences with Goku learning how to use the Kaioken. Because it's such like a big deal in this first saga. And during the Namek saga, too. Like, it's Goku's signature move. Um, and we don't really get to see Goku actually develop the skill to use it. And, uh... You do- Three times Kaioken, four times Kaioken, just keeps like, <laughs> yeah. ten times Kaioken! Oh, here's here's a fun fact. Um, so Kaioken works as, like, a multiplier. Like, each stage of Kaioken multiplies your power by whatever the multiplier is. Technically speaking, Kaioken and Kaioken times two are the same thing. Huh. Yeah, because they both multiply your power times two. I don't know why there's, like, 
a difference between them because they they may he uses Kaioken times too, but that's technically the same thing as Kaioken. Uh, you're, you're thinking too much about it. Yeah. It's oh. just cool watching people scream oh, with power. <laughs> you have no idea the numbers game you've gotten into with Dragon Ball. You know how the whole point of Scouters is to show how they're stupid and ineffectual, and like the heroes constantly point out that like you can't actually judge people nope. by those numbers? Yeah, Dragon Ball fans didn't get that memo. <laughs> like, Dragon Ball fans are obsessed with the numbers in Dragon Ball. Like, oh, Goku had this power level at this stage, and if you add this multiplier to it, then it means he's got this level of power, and that means... It's like, man, those numbers mean nothing! <laughs> the entire... Pl- yeah, I- <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched the whole thing yet, but I'm a good almost 40-some-odd episodes in, and it's been quite clear that, like, the numbers itself don't matter. It's, you know, it's it's the training and the willpower, mm-hmm. not, you know, the math. Yeah, but I'm going to do a plug here. Um, Derek, I'm going to plan. <laughs> Derek Padula uh, wrote a series of books called The Tao of Dragon Ball, and his first one, uh, It's Over 9000, does a great job of exploring... Yeah, uh, it does a great job of exploring why power levels are bullshit, and how not just that, but they're also like an entire ideology that gets deconstructed throughout the series, specifically through Vegeta. If you want to check out that one, again, that's Derek Padilla's Dow Dragon Ball book series. I think they're ebooks that you can get on, like, Kindle and stuff. But yeah, the power levels are just, they're, they're bullshit. They're, they're supposed to be, because it shows how, like, the entire worldview of these aliens were like, oh, you're prescribed this number at birth, and that is how valuable you are. That's where you are in the hierarchy. It's like, that's not how it works. Everyone has potential to better themselves and get stronger and more useful. Yeah, that's that's what Vegeta's been grappling with this whole time, just like having his insane just ego and superiority like thrown back in his face. I'm I'm like I'm a highborn yeah. Saiyan from planet Vegeta. I am a super elite low Yeah, like these lowly lowborn you know, yeah. they, how are they giving me a run for my money? I don't get it. Yeah. Vegeta's the 1%. <laughs> he is, though. He really is. It's it's a whole class battle throughout the entire this entire saga and throughout the series. Jumping back on the recap, I guess the only thing we didn't really talk about was, like, Go, uh, Gohan and Piccolo when they're, they're training. <laughs> you want to talk about that some? Yeah, I was just laughing to myself. You know, internally, because I'm watching it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, early on, it says, like, Goku, I mean, Gohan's, like, four. Yeah. And, like, he turns five. So, for an entire year, Gohan's father is dead. Mm-hmm. And they're chanting to recite these sayings. Mm-hmm. And Piccolo, essentially, is just abusing this child in the desert for a year. <laughs> he to train him to be powerful enough to fight the Saiyans. Piccolo just drops a kindergartner into the middle of the desert, and he's like, don't get eaten by a dinosaur, I'll train you in six months. Yeah, just, like, leave them alone to survive, and just, like, but, like, he, like, forms, like, an attachment to him, and becomes, like, second daddy, but, like, Mm -hmm. Gohan has been continually getting his ass kicked this whole time, I'm just like, he's five! (laughs) He's he's still here! He's five! Uh, it's a, Krillin, it's, be a better uncle and take him out of this. <laughs> I mean, what was Krillin gonna do? Tell Piccolo no? He's like ten times stronger than him. Oh, Krillin, you just... Yeah, he's trying. You, 
You do your best, Grillin. Yeah. What I love also is that in the Dragon Ball community, like, it's a running joke that Goku's a terrible father because he's constantly absent and putting his kid in danger and everything. Uh, and everybody talks about, oh, like, oh, Piccolo's such a better dad and everything. But, like, yeah, this is whole so- <laughs> in this saga in particular? Hell no. He's, like, he just totally abuses Gohan and, like, forces him to, like, survive on his own and shit. And, yeah, he has a few cute little moments where he does give him some food without him noticing and everything. But, like, he's totally just beating up a kindergarten. <laughs> and like leaving him alone for long periods of time. Yeah, it's it's not a healthy relationship at all. Um but, a lot of child violence in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah. They uh they start him young. I mean that was how old Goku was, I think, in the original. He was just a little kid who lived out on his own and fought shit all the time, so Gohan's just getting his dad's experience. Uh but forcibly. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Goku was a little more, and we'll see more of this. Goku's, Goku and Gohan are very different characters. Whereas Goku is all like, oh, I love fighting and training and all this stuff. Gohan's like, I do this so I can stay alive. I've only known violence. (laughs) I've only known violence since my childhood and I have to do this if I want to survive. Daddy, please come get me. Yeah, I'm going to be curious to see if Gohan develops some sort of PTSD after all of this. Uh, We'll get there. Uh, oh. <laughs> we'll get there. Ooh. Go ahead. Goku. Yeah. Let's talk about the protagonist, Goku. Yeah. Um, he's surprisingly not in it as much as I would have thought. Um, no. <laughs> the formula of the show, which has already been strictly established, <laughs> just in what I've watched so far, is he'll show up, kick ass, and then when things are at their most dire comes back to kick more ass. That's already happened about three times. <laughs> it's it's and, pretty much the formula. Um, it's it's a hell of a formula. I, I'm not knocking it because you know all like long running anime have formula, but it's I just I just I, I smirk at it because it's so obvious. Like I wonder, oh, I wonder how he's going to be taken out of commission this time, and I wonder what is going to heal him this time. Is it going to be one of the sensu beans again, or is it? Is it gotta be something else? Yeah. It's it's funny that you mentioned this, because in the original Dragon Ball, that wasn't the formula. Because, you know, Goku Goku was the main protagonist, and between the Budokai tournaments, which were tournaments, so, like, those were all, like, martial arts fighting during those. He did go on adventures and stuff, but he didn't really have, like, world-ending threats to stop. Like, the closest he th- had was King Piccolo, which is Piccolo's dad. And even then, like, he didn't... I guess that technically counts, where Tien briefly tried to fight off pick King Piccolo on his own. But for the most part, it was, like, Goku fighting these threats. Um, and, like, his friends would come in and help when they could. But for the most part, there wasn't really, like, a, oh, we have to wait for Goku to show up stage. It was really more just, hey, we're just going to you know, fight whenever we come across a bad guy. Uh, so dra- this Dragon Ball Z, and specifically the Saiyan Saga, was really the, sort of the beginning of this formula of, like, oh, the bad guys will show up and beat the crap out of everybody else, and then Goku will finally arrive and do a bit of a curb stomp, but then he'll get taken out of commission for a while, and then, like, that cycle really only began with Z. And I can't lie, despite it being a, a formula, every time he shows up, I'm like, oh, fuck yeah! Yeah! <laughs> it's I love, on! <laughs> I love seeing Goku show up. He's a badass! And he's he's he's, a, he's such a fun kind of hero, because, like, he loves fighting, he lives to fight, but not in, like, an egocentric, like, you know, mm. sort of 
Chad bro kind of way. Yeah. It's it's just it's just it's just sort of his way of, you know, finding balance mm-hmm. and, you know, testing his limits and he does it to protect the people he loves. Yeah. And it's his life philosophy. It's like this is how I find actualization and self improvement is through improving my physical limits. There I think it might have actually been from that book, The Dial of Dragon Ball, but there's a quote where somebody points out that, like, Goku is Vegeta's rival throughout the series. Like, Vegeta sees himself as wanting to beat and overcome Goku. But Vegeta is not Goku's rival. Goku is Goku's rival. Goku always wants to improve himself, to better himself, and overcome his own limits. And that's just, that's his whole worldview. Like, I always want to become better than I was before. Yeah, it's it's an interesting way to create a, a character like that, because mm. he's... He's a sweetheart. Goku's a little sweetheart. He's also dumb as a box of rocks. He so really is. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I, think I, I think I texted you like, Goku's just a himbo. He is. <laughs> he has literal brain damage for one thing, which we find out at the beginning of Z. But also... <laughs> yep, forgot about that. Yep. <laughs> but also just, yeah, he is a total himbo. He's just like, I like fighting, and I am good at nothing else. I have no other life skills. He has this bit of reasoning, though, at one point. Where I'm just like, ooh, Goku, are you sure about that, though? When they first have Vegeta on the ropes. Mm-hmm. Krillin's going in for the kill. And Goku's like, no, Krillin, don't. Yeah. I need to train harder and beat him again. <laughs> That, that's and I'm that, like I'm like Goku though, but like he's here to destroy. Earth. No, that's actually a a great point because that shows like a sort of darker element to Goku's character. Like Goku's first priority is to like improve himself through combat. He likes fighting strong guys because it helps him to like push his own limits and everything. His desire to protect others, while he has that is secondary to his desire to, of self-improvement, which is, like, a very interesting thing to have in a main character. He could be, con- like, later on in the series, you'll see, it could put the world in danger, though, his ideology. Yeah, I'm really, really curious to see how it plays out, because, like, so far, he hasn't, he's not, like, he's not into fighting in the way that he's just, like, aching to kick ass. Yeah. Like, when he shows up to, um, beat down... Vegeta. Oh no, not Vegeta. The Ginyu Napa. Force later. Oh, you um, skipping the Namek? Yeah, just just to make a point. Um, when they're on Namek and he he shows up to to beat the Ginyu Force, Captain Ginyu. Like he's mostly on the um defense mm-hmm. throughout the first part of the fight. Like he's just dodging, and like he's saying, like, "Come on, guys! Like this is your last chance! Like to to back away before like." I fight back. So he's not like showing up to be like, all right, y'all are going to get fucking broken over my knee now. Like he's not bloodthirsty, no. but he, he lives to fight, which is like this. It's, 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 it's based on like honor and principle. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. It's, it's the big difference between him and the other Saiyans. All the other Saiyans fought to conquer, to prove themselves better than everyone else, to like just out of bloodthirstiness. Goku, Goku doesn't fight for that reason. Goku fights because Goku wants to become a better martial artist, to like find self actualization through that. It's it's why he and Vegeta make such good parallels because Vegeta wants to prove himself better than everyone, and Goku wants to prove himself better than he was yesterday. He does care. He totally cares about his friends and family. Oh yeah, because. When he, 
when he when he shows up to save the day, like he doesn't just rush in and start punching. Right. He'll show up, give the villain like a stare down, mm-hmm. but then go right to like Gohan and Krillin to make sure they're okay. Give them a sensu bean if they need one. You know, comfort them first. Then he confronts the villain. Yeah, so he's not. He's like this heartless. Just, he's this weird mix of yeah. Like, but his his sort of philosophy is really just kind of nuanced. It's it's what I really I think it's what's great that separates him from. We talked about how like he's kind of built on the Superman mythos, and like I don't think anybody would ever say that Goku is just Superman. But like that ideology of self improvement instead of just wanting to save people and be, like, the best, kindest person you can be. Like, he's a kind person. He cares about protecting others and everything, and he loves his friends. But the most important thing to him is self-improvement, and I think that's such an interesting thing. And, like, it, it becomes so obvious in other shonen, like, other shonen anime and manga that, like, this is the formula that they pick up, because it's always, like, I want to be the best whatever Naruto. It's like, I want to be the Hokage, and One Piece, it's like, I want to be King of the Pirates. It's like, I always want to be the best thing that I can possibly be, and, like, this is what kind of set that standard for shonen protagonists of being, like, I want to always be better than I was before. It's interesting actually watching it now after so long, because I always kind of assumed it was just this, like, cool, meat-headed kind of, like, beat-em-up anime, and it is to an extent. It is. But there's, there's, there's definitely more thought put into it than just, like, Let's watch these muscle-bound things beat the shit out of each other constantly. Like, yeah, there's there's a philosophy. There's like on honor there. and respect to the combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you like, can see a lot more. It, of, it, it, I was gonna say no, you go can ahead. see a lot more of that in the original Dragon Ball because they are. It's a lot more focused on like the sort of philosophy of martial arts and like how what it means to improve yourself. Uh, Z kind of. Doesn't shirk it, but it kind of takes second background to the actual like space adventures and aliens and stuff they're fighting. But it's cool that you're still like picking it up even without like the background with the original Dragon Ball. But yeah, um, because you know the good guys, you know, you know they train to make themselves stronger. But there's no, there's not much ego involved. But mm-hmm. with all the bad guys, all it is is ego and power. You know, I need. To- to conquer everything. I need to be the strongest. Like, I deserve to be the strongest. That's all it is for the bad guys. But with the good guys, it's just, you know, hey, this is what we do. This is our lifestyle. Like, yeah, this is how we make ourselves better. Yeah. It's really cool. I I really love that about Dragon Ball and all the characters. It's it's a show about self-improvement and constant perseverance in the face of adversity. And as simple as that message can be conveyed at times, it's still very powerful. Um, yeah, and now I understand why I have seen so many gym bros <laughs> over the past, like, oh, 25 years absolutely. in, you know, Dragon Ball Z gear in the gym, you know? It's just, like... Absolutely. It inspired people yeah. to self-improve. Absolutely. Like, there's nothing that makes you feel more hopped up than just seeing... This guy who spends his entire life trying to better himself take down some arrogant jackass who thinks he's better than everyone. <laughs> like that, there's a lot oh, yeah, of inspiration. It's, it's there's a great there's a whole lot of inspiration to be taken from Dragon Ball. Getting 
back into the actual recap. So they all spend some time training. Goku's dead in the other world training with King Kai. He learns the spirit bomb in Kaioken. Uh, the Z Fighters, which is their unofficial name, is Krillin, Tien, Yamcha, and all them. They spend time up on the lookout with Kami training, which I wish we got to see more of what that actual training was like. I know in the original anime... This is something that they cut out that I kind of wish they kept in. They actually have, like, a bit of, like, what their actual training was. I think, if I remember correctly, they go to, like, an alternate dimension or to the past or something and fight, like, alternate Saiyans at one point to train, which is kind of a cool concept to, like, have them, like, here's some preliminary versions of the Saiyans to fight. Gohan and Piccolo are training in the wilderness, and then suddenly... After a year, actually a month early, the Saiyans arrive, Nappa and Vegeta. And I just want to say I love the design choice for these two. Because you have oh yeah, Nappa, this big hulking brute. Like he's like seven or eight feet tall. He's just bulking muscle and everything. And you have Vegeta, who's like this short little runt. And like... Always, he's like just kind of lingering in the background and just watching the whole time. But you always get this aura of menace from him because every time he speaks, Nappa's just like, "Sorry, boss, I'll do whatever you say." Like th- they build up Vegeta wonderfully during this saga because the whole time Nappa's just smashing the shit out of everybody else. Like he's constantly like worried that Vegeta's gonna step in if he screws up. Yeah, it's it's episodes and episodes of just Nappa kicking ass, and it's like if Nappa's this badass, like how badass is Vegeta? Mm-hmm. And so far, like they haven't flubbed yet, and I don't know if they will. But like every villain that they introduce, like they do such a good job of building up to it, yeah. and really showcasing just how powerful they are and how like up against the wall the good guys are. Yeah, like and they they've done that consistently with. First with Raditz, he was a bit tough to take down, and then Nappa, and then Vegeta, and then the Ginyu Force, and then Frieza. Like it just it is has constantly built. Yeah, and it's 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 really cool to, to see how they they work around that and how the good guys overcome eventually. There's a- I'm yeah, like right now I'm at the point where there are Goku is about to fight Frieza, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, how is this gonna go? Yeah, <laughs> what's he gonna do? What is he going to do? There's a there's a constant ex- escalation in Dragon Ball in terms of just their literal power where they they were basically planet busters at the beginning of Dragon Ball Z and like they move on to being like galaxy and multiverse busters later on in the series. But like there's a constant escalation and sometimes I'll admit it's not handled the best but for the most part it's like every villain they come across every obstacle feels genuinely and like serious a lot of people will kind of criticize Dragon Ball for being a no stake series specifically because of the Dragon Balls themselves which I mean ev- we didn't actually cover this but everyone knows who has any inkling about Dragon Ball the Dragon Balls are magical wish gra- granting ores you get all seven of them together a giant dragon comes out and grants you a wish um and people talk about how uh i actually didn't i actually didn't know that you didn't know that you you watched the series <laughs> no i didn't know that i know i didn't know i didn't know that they granted wishes is what oh, i'm saying like, in advance prior when i first started when, right. I'm, when i first started watching it yeah 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 okay 
Uh, yeah, like, I, I knew some odds and ends about it, but I didn't actually know what the Dragon Balls did. Yeah, so, so the Dragon Ball will grant wishes. Cool to find out. Oh, they just grant wishes. Mm-hmm. People will criticize Dragon Ball for being low stakes because uh, we can just wish people back to life. The Dragon Balls can basically just undo any damage or any threat. I I don't see that criticism because a they set specific rules on the Dragon Balls like. If you have been wished back to life once, you can't be wished back again, so you get, like, one do-over. And second, the Dragon Balls are constantly being endangered. They're t- they're tied to the life force of the Namekian who makes them, which Piccolo is, like, Piccolo and Kami are the Namekians. Like, if Piccolo or Kami dies, they don't get any more Dragon Balls, no more wishes. Nobody's coming back to life. And, like... There are constant threats to the Dragon Balls. In this in the Saiyan saga alone, the Dragon Balls are destroyed, and there's no way to bring back the lives of all the people who died. I, I don't get the whole, like, it's a low-stakes series, because the whole point is like, yeah, we have these wind-scranning objects that can sort of fix things, but we have to survive long enough to be actually able to use them, you know? Yeah, and, and the ones on Namek um, get rendered useless, too, later yeah. on. It's it's not like they're just constantly around to, to take advantage of. Now, if we're talking sensu beans... <laughs> <laughs> the sensu beans are a bit of a cop-out. They completely restore your health and stamina whenever you eat one. Uh, but again, like, go ahead. Heavenly beans that just completely... Uh, heavenly beans that are grown in some heaven that just, like, completely bring you from the brink of death. I'm like... I wish I could have some of that. <laughs> By a talking cat, no less. Yep, and they look delicious and nutritious. <laughs> they probably oh. are if they give you complete health restore. Um, but again, those have limitations, too. Like, he can only grow so many of those at a time. They don't have, like, an infinite stock of sensu beans just sitting around. So, like, I I, I don't get the whole low-stakes argument. Like, there's there are multiple times when the entire universe is at stake, and you don't know if the heroes are going to succeed or not because they're constantly dying, <laughs> you know? A lot of them get their asses handed to them throughout this series and die. So, yeah, I, I definitely see Dragon Ball as a series with, like, good stakes. I, I don't think it ever reaches a point where it's like, ah, oh, man, we just know how this is going to go. Everything's going to be fine. Like, it's like, okay, they may be able to fix this with the Dragon Balls later, but shit, it's going to be rough until then. Um, I don't know if on Namek, um, they were able to bring Piccolo back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to bring back Yamcha and Tien and Shiatsu. No spoilers. I haven't gotten there yet. Oh, but no spoilers. I honestly don't know. Like, I'm 50 50. I know they'll find a way to bring him back, or maybe they'll, they're just gone now, and maybe there's just going to be, like, maybe a goodbye scene at some point. Mm-hmm. Like, but I do know from, like, I do know seeing them around in, like, you know, through my reversing of the fandom. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Maybe they're dead. Maybe they're not. I don't know. Vegeta, yeah. Vegeta and Nappa show up. Uh, the Z fighters show up and everybody but Goku's there ready to fight them. I love that they don't even start with like Nappa. They literally just like throw some stuff in the dirt and grow their own little fighters. It's like, hey, Fight these things. We just want to see how strong you are. They're, like, so cocky. They're like, we just grew these fighters. Let's see if you're any better than these guys. <laughs> it's also another thing against Raditz is that, like, they talk about how, like, all of these little Cybermen that we just grew are as strong as Raditz. It's like, wow, Raditz really sucked for a Saiyan. Oh. Yeah, why, yeah, why was Raditz your, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. he was just- first man, mm-hmm. you know, on the ground? 
I guess because he was expendable. <laughs> you know, they could they could I, afford to get rid of him. I guess it's just it's Raditz is funny because like when he first showed up, I'm like, hey, I, I recognize that guy. Like I've I've seen him before, mm-hmm. and then he's like dead a couple episodes later. I'm just like, oh, yeah, <laughs> I guess he's not that important. He's never coming back either. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they fight some Cybermen, and they manage to defeat them, except for Yamcha. Yamcha's our first casualty in battle. He gets suicide bombed by one of them. It blows itself up, and we get the iconic Yamcha pose, where he's lying in the crater dead. I didn't know that was an iconic shot. Oh yeah, him lying in the crater dead. I actually, I have a blanket at home. It's just that crater that you can just like lay down. <laughs> yeah, in that pose. Whenever conventions That's become hilarious. like, whenever conventions start back up again, I'm totally just going to go out and just lay down in that pose every time I go somewhere. But yeah, uh, Yamcha's is our first cast of war. Uh, and then Nappa joins the fray after they beat the Cybermen. And uh, Nappa just wrecks shit. Like, Nappa just beats the fuck out of the Z Fighters. He killed. T- uh, Chaozu is the next to go. Chaozu tries to suicide bomb. Uh, Nappa does nothing. Tien gets his arm ripped off and then tries to fight Nappa and, yep. like, collapses in exhaustion <laughs> dead after trying to do that. Vegeta gives him, like, a temporary break just because he's like, hey, we'll wait for Goku. You said Goku's coming. We'll beat him up since he's, like, your best chance. We're just going to beat him up to laugh at you. And they get bored after Nappa goes out and kills some, like, reporters and stuff. (laughs) Like, Nappa goes out and just kills them. I hate the media! (laughs) Yeah. He just flies (laughs) off and blows up some news helicopters and stuff. And he comes back and he's like, I'm bored. Let's go ahead and keep fighting. So he he almost kills Goku. Gohan, but Piccolo has his redeeming moment where he jumps in the way to save him. I, like, I, I love Piccolo as a character, and I think this moment is super important for his character. Like, him redeeming himself and finally being like, oh, I finally care about another person. Like, I'm not just a monster like I was always thought I was. Like, there are people out there who care about me. But you do have to remember that he spent this kid's past year just abusing him viciously. <laughs> like, I, I think people give Piccolo yeah. too much credit for being, like, a good father figure and role model for Gohan. And he, he gets better later on down the line, but, like, at this point in the series... He's literally just this, like, loner slug monster who decides to train Gohan because he needs an extra pair of hands to fight the Saiyans. What are your thoughts on the whole Piccolo redemption arc? I like I I like Piccolo. I pretty much like all of it because there's not a character yet that I'm just like, oh, get 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 him away from me. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny because if if you look at it and judge it on like more real world sort of terms of morality. It's like there's a lot of crazy shit that's happening in the show. Like like we were just talking about like Gohan's basically abused for yeah. a year. He's a toddler essentially and he gets his ass kicked. There's grown men beating the crap out of toddlers and but I think with with material that is so obviously high fantasy, high sci-fi like, the worlds just operate differently. Yeah. And while I'm not justifying taking a child out into the desert to train them to fight an invading alien force, at the same time, it's not, you know, it's not quite the same as, you know, it's not the real world is what I'm saying. Yeah. So. And we'll see consequences of this I'm, down the line. I can't like- sit here and be like, 
Yeah, I was just basically saying how realistically, you know, Gohan's a little baby child. He's, you know, technically abused by Piccolo and he's getting his ass kicked by grown men and that kind of stuff. But this world is like so inherently heightened in fantasy Mm -hmm. and and sci-fi that the morality of it is just a little different is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I'm not just, I'm not justifying like child abuse or anything like that, obviously. And I'm, I'm sensing that they're not just going to not address it. Oh, they will. That's just a feeling I'm getting that like, yeah. I like, I, I just get that feeling just about, because it's, this is essentially Gohan show so far. That's, that's like, what I was going to say. Gohan and Vegeta are basically the main characters so far. That's what I was going to say is that Dragon Ball Z actually is sort of the story of Gohan. Whereas the original Dragon Ball was Goku's story. Gohan serves much more as a protagonist in the sense that he's around more often. He sees more of the threats. Like, Goku usually defeats the biggest threat, but Gohan's around for most of them. So, Z is definitely, like, the story of Gohan sort of coming into his own. And you will, I'm not going to spoil anything, but down the line, you are going to see how this sort of difference in ideology, this difference in approaching fighting between Goku and Gohan sort of comes and fleshes out. Cool, cool. Yeah. Looking forward to it. I'm glad you picked um, up on that, because, like, it is it is a big thing, especially during the next couple sagas. Yeah, because he's getting traumatized left and right. Yeah. <laughs> Poor kid. And, like, he's, he's had, like, three emotional outbursts so far where he's just wrecked some shit. That's the thing, so too. So it's like, uh, okay. Gohan, I see what they're doing there. Yeah, Gohan has this like rage boost that he gets every now and then, where he basically hulks out and like, yeah, it makes him more powerful and everything. And like in other series, we'd celebrate it, but like here, it's kind of like really sad and tragic because like he doesn't want to fight; he just has to to survive. And seeing him get pushed to these limits is kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, the coolest one, coolest, <laughs> the craziest one so far. Um. Or at least I was just like, yeah, Gohan, like, you go. Was um when second form Frieza impales Krillin on his horn, like mm. it's nothing. Gohan's just like, mm, yeah. And manages to, like, kind of take Fre- uh, Frieza by surprise and kind of lay him out for a second. And Frieza's like, I gotta admit, for a second that actually hurt. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Gohan, you got one in good. Oh, now run the hell away. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> as as sad as it is to see this child get emotionally like wrecked, it's also very vindicating to see him beat the shit out of the things that are like causing him trauma. Like <laughs> it's very vindicating to see him like he headbutts Raditz and like cracks his ribs whenever he like Raditz is fighting Goku. In the fight against Nappa, he has a few moments after, like, Piccolo is hurt and stuff where he slaps Nappa around a bit. And it's like, yeah, those are great little moments where you get to see him, like, lash out against his abusers. But it's it's still really kind of sad to see Gohan go through all this because he's not like his dad. He, he doesn't like fighting. He's just doing it to survive. Oh, my God. I, lo- I absolutely loved it when... The first huge bout between Vegeta and them is over. Mm-hmm. Gohan's beat the sh- uh, Goku's beat the shit. 
and like Chi Chi and them show up, and she just like completely ignores Goku. She's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Go on, my little baby, are you okay?" <laughs> she literally like, vaults <laughs> over him <laughs> to get to go on. And uh, I'm like, I'm like, I, you can't really blame her. <laughs> no, she shelters that boy uh, for a good reason. This is a dangerous world. So yeah, Nappa kills most of the Z fighters except for Krillin and Gohan and then finally, finally Goku shows up to uh to fight and it is such a rewarding moment where he just comes in and slaps Nappa's shit. Nappa is as as brief as a character as Nappa is because he's just in this saga he is such, like, a fun-to-hate villain, because he shows up, and he's so cocky, and he just beats the shit out of all the characters we like, and he's just like, oh, come on, you can do better than that, give me a better fight! And then, like, Goku shows up and just wrecks him, just beats the shit out of Nappa, and it's it's oh. so vindicating. This was the Nappa fight, right, where um Goku just kind of, like, spears him in the back, like, with his fists, and he's just got him, like, draped over... Yeah. You know, yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's so fucking badass. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, he breaks back, he breaks Nappa's spine because Nappa charges after Krillin and Gohan. He just like punches him and then he reaches down and just breaks his spine and throws him to Vegeta. And it's like, damn, Goku, that was pretty damn brutal. And and you think that's bad. Vegeta just takes Nappa's hand, throws him into the sky, and evaporates him. Like, which is a yeah, go ahead. Vegeta has a vaporizing problem. He yeah. loves vaporizing people. Mm-hmm. Go, uh, that's a great way to show just how cold Vegeta is too. Because this whole time he's been just standing around watching, like commenting on the fight. Like, oh, I can't wait for some for this Kakarot to show up and I'll give him a real fight or I'll do something. But like this whole time Vegeta's just been menacing but then we see his partner get taken out and he's just like, I don't give a shit. He just throws him into the sky and kills him, like, nonchalant. Like, the last of the Saiyans, too. Like, the whole thing is that, like, the Saiyan race is all but dead and Vegeta just doesn't care. Like, he sees himself as the only Saiyan that needs to exist. He's willing to kill every other Saiyan in existence, but as long as he's alive, then he sees the Saiyan race as still, like, thriving and proud. Yeah, I I love Vegeta so much. He's such an entertaining villain to, mm-hmm. to watch, do his thing, and I, I guess I knew he was a fan favorite, oh, but apparently yeah. he's, like, a massive fan favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, I could see why he's he's just like he's the perfect kind of like you hate him, but you love him at the same time, and like you get these little glimpses of oh maybe he's you know maybe he's softening a bit, <laughs> but like he'll say or do something. She's like, God damn it, you ruined it! Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely not in the Saiyan saga. He doesn't definitely doesn't show any of that softness here. Uh, yeah, Vegeta is arguably more popular than Goku. I think if I remember. I remember there were some polls at one point, and I think Vegeta won some popularity contests. But yeah, people love Vegeta. Um, and for good reason. He's a wonderfully written character, and he's a wonderful counterpart to Goku. Whereas Goku, you know, he wants to fight to, for self-improvement. Vegeta's all about proving himself better than everyone else. He's the prince of all Saiyans, a super elite warrior, the best of the best, and he refuses to accept that anyone's better than him. And, like, the fight between him and Goku is just, it's phenomenal. 
<laughs> because you get all these great action sequences where you think, oh man, Goku's got the Kaioken, he's keeping up, and then Vegeta will just, like, knock him out of the Kaioken because he's like, oh man, you startled me there, Kakarot, but let me show you what a real Saiyan can do. And, like, Goku has to keep... I know, we, I, we didn't really talk about this, but um, I love the... I, I talked about this in our Animorphs review. I love power systems, and Dragon Ball is chock full of them. Um, yeah. I love the Kaioken as a form because it comes with an obvious drawback of, like, yeah, you get this temporary power increase, but if you lose control for even a second, it will wreck your entire body, uh, especially the higher up you push it. So this whole fight, you have Goku fighting against Vegeta, but also fighting to just maintain control of this power that's even letting him keep up with Vegeta. Like, on every front, it's like, man, all that training that Goku did, and he's still not good enough to knock this smug asshole on his ass. It's like, you don't know if he's going to be able to do it until you get that first, and honestly, one of the best in the series, Beam Struggles. That Goku Kamehameha against Vegeta's Gallic Gun is, like, one of the best Beam Struggles we get in the series. Yeah, that was cool. Um, and I'm like, okay, now I know why, like, beam struggles are such, like, a thing. Like, like, it's such a meme, because yeah. they're fucking cool. They look awesome. They're rad as hell. Like, the dirt just start like, dirt and rocks and the whole earth just starts cracking apart and, like, floating in the air around them. Like, the whole, like, the colors of just the blue and the purple smashing against each other. Like, it's, it's beautiful to look at, and it's like, even though the te- te- characters are just technically standing on opposite sides of each other as these two beams a lot are like moving towards each other, you can feel the energy of these two characters clashing, and it's it's such an iconic Dragon Ball trope, and this is where it starts, and it's such a good start for this trope, because it's just like, here are two people, their ideologies in conflict, their powers contested against one another, in, like, this big, beautiful display. God, I just love that beam struggle. Yeah, not good for the environment, though. Yeah, they're <laughs> no. constantly destroying and shifting geography of entire planets. Yeah, it gets worse from here on out. <laughs> <laughs> so much worse. Oh, and I freaking love that Piccolo just <laughs> blows up the moon. Yes. <laughs> with no sort of, like, geological repercussions on Earth. Like, we skipped over that. And, like, <laughs> Fighting Goku, Vegeta's like, ah! And, like, he flies up to the moon to try and turn into a giant Saiyan ape, which they can do, apparently. Uh, and he's like, what? No moon? <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Yeah. That's I'm just funny. like, that's the thing that can happen in this universe. Best part is, that's not even the first time that happened. Roshi blew up the moon when Goku transformed as a kid. <laughs> they just casually... Yeah, where they just get new moons from that they can just blow up? They just wish them back with the dragon And not cause global flooding and other just environmental <laughs> catastrophes. But yeah, uh, they don't really address the, the long-term effects of the moon constantly being destroyed to avoid giant apes. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, <laughs> he has to create his own like false moon out of energy, and then like, yeah, don't don't they have to use Krillin's head, the bald head, later on to mimic the moon to like get? I is it to get Gohan to change or to turn back or to get Vegeta to turn back? I can't remember. No, I don't remember Krillin's bald head at all being used for any of that. 
Somebody's uh, bald head definitely was used as a makeshift moon at some point. <laughs> I don't remember that. Like, the moon was still in effect up in the sky, and Gohan transformed into a giant ape later. I don't remember Krillin's head being involved. I, I know that definitely happened. That, I'm gonna, I've been watching it in such succession that, like, some of the finer details are already a bit lost. Yeah. But I know, I know that definitely happened at some point with Krillin's was, was it in the manga? Was it like maybe in the manga you read? Because that might have been I, the yeah, original Dragon Ball. I, I, I might be mistaking it for a part in the manga. I'm not sure. That definitely, either like, or it happened. That's definitely something that Akiriyama, like uh, uh, blah, Akira Toriyama would have done. That definitely sounds like his style, but I don't remember that part specifically in Kai. Yeah, so the giant ape Vegeta transforms and like he gets way stronger than Goku, who was already like pushed to his limits from using the Kaioken at like times four, and he just wrecks Goku's shit. Like Goku's trying his best to gather up a spirit bomb, but he can't get enough time, and he's just dodging for his life. But Vegeta just beats the shit out of him. That's another thing I love about this whole fight between Goku and Vegeta is that like people constantly point out how like. Oh, uh, man, Goku's always stronger than Vegeta and everything. During this fight, Goku doesn't win on his own. Goku only wins this fight through the help of, like, Krillin and Gohan and Yajirobe all coming in to save him towards the end. Fucking Yaj- Yajirobe. <laughs> okay. I, I can say that there's a character I don't like all that much, and it's Yajirobe. Yeah. Yeah, he's just kind of like a, oh, I'm a constant coward, and I'm not really going to help, but I, I'm strong for some reason, but I'm a, I really don't want to fight. Good for you for taking off the tail, mm-hmm. the, the, the weird saying tail, but you, like, you're one hero too many in this story. Yeah, he's just kind of a, <laughs> like a joke character, so. So, Giant Ape Vegeta beats the shit out of Goku, Krillin and Gohan come back, they manage to cut off Vegeta's tail, turn him back into a regular Saiyan, he's still stronger than anyone there and up. They keep, keep fighting, they finally get... Vegeta with the spirit bomb and it doesn't work. It doesn't kill him. He just gets back up and st- keeps beating the shit out of them. And like the only way that they eventually win was that that Gohan grows his tail back conveniently and uh turns into a giant ape himself and then crushes Vegeta under his naked body as he transforms back into a little kid. Uh, yeah, a lot of man-ass in, the, in this <laughs> show, which... There really is. They don't... We get full-on child Gohan-ass. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also... This is the the Namekian arc. We're skipping ahead, but there's this one episode after... Um, shit, what's his name? One of the Ginyu Force guy. Rakume or Raccoon? Raccoon. After he gets beat, like... He's, he's like he's like missing half of his uniform and yeah. like he's just kind of he's face down on in the, the dirt face down ass up yeah. and there's so many shots specifically composed <laughs> where his ass is like meant to be seen either in the foreground oh. or the background <laughs> just like the sense of humor in this show is is just like yeah. It doesn't stop, even in the midst of, like, <laughs> dense battle. Yeah, everyone's dying, and then you have just a dead, naked person in the background. It's great. Yeah, what I love about the Saiyan fight, specifically the Goku versus Vegeta one, is, like, even though it goes on for a long time, like, the fight with Nappa went on for a long time with all the Z fighters joining in, but, like, this fight between Goku and Vegeta is, like, 
okay, you've got the first stage where, like, Goku powers up against Vegeta, then you get the beam struggle, then you get Goku versus the giant ape, then you get Krillin and Gohan, like, holding him off while uh, they charge the spirit bomb, and then you get, like, the spirit bomb didn't work, and now we have to fight him, like, again, and then you get Gohan, Goku, like, so much stuff happens in this fight, and none of it feels like it never reaches the point where it's like, okay, let's just finish this up. It's always like, what the hell? I can't believe this happened. What the hell? I can't believe this happened. It just keeps escalating bigger and bigger and bigger until it finally ends with Vegeta broken under a naked child, which is not the way you would have thought this fight would have ended at all. Yeah, the, the fights themselves so far have done a really good job of not feeling repetitive. Um, there are repetitive elements, like, I guess they're just kind of tropes of the show, or like, oh, we're just going to stand around and watch our enemy power up for five minutes. And <laughs> yeah. When it gets to the actual combat, it never just feels like, oh, they're just doing that again, or oh, we're just doing this again. Yeah, everybody's got unique attacks, everybody's got different fighting styles, like, it never feels like, oh, uh, they're just... You know, kind of like people will say this about Dragon Ball. They're like, eh, they're just kind of standing around, like punching each other real fast. And it's like, yeah, but like, pay attention. Like the way that it's choreographed, these characters are doing like martial arts moves, and like they'll throw each other into mountains and use their like energy in different ways. Like Krillin creates the Destructo Disc, or I think they call it the Kienzan in the original, and in Kai they call it because that's its actual Japanese name, and he like creates, like, a disc of energy that's powerful enough to actually cut through people. Like, he actually hurts Nappa with it, even though he's nowhere near as strong as Nappa. All these different characters have different fighting styles, and every fight feels unique instead of just, like, another repetition of the one before it. Yeah, what was I going to say? God damn it. Every, every episode, every episode. <laughs> I have a point lined up, and then it just... I guess I'll just blame it on old age. It's fine. It's fine. Anyway, let's finish up the recap, and then we can hit any major points. Uh, they managed to beat Vegeta. Vegeta crawls back to his ship, and we mentioned this earlier. Krillin actually gets up and prepares to kill Vegeta, and Goku tells him not to. He says, I want to fight him again later. I want to prove that I'm stronger. Uh, which is a bit of the dark side of Goku's character, is that like he's willing to endanger himself and his friends if he can get another good fight out of it later on down the road. Yeah, um, and you can kind of, I mean, it's kind of Goku's fault that Frieza ends up showing up, because we later learn that Vegeta's little jaunt to Earth wasn't part of the mission. He he did he he did that himself, yeah. uh, like without orders. So. It's not until he Vegeta limps back to base on, on Namek or whatever that, you know, it brings attention, you know, to Frieza and what he was doing. So it's kind of like, ooh, you know, whether that, whether Toriyama and, and all them like intended for like Goku's actions to have repercussions in that way. I, like, I, I'm pretty sure Toriyama's on the record for talking about Goku being like, he's not a traditional hero in that sense. He has some darker elements to him like this. Like, I think that's very much intentional in that Goku's not always thinking of everyone's best interests. Sometimes he's selfish and he wants to just fight strong guys, even if it endangers others' lives. Yeah, um, it, it, it totally... He totally took me aback when he was like, no, no, Krillin, don't. Yeah. I have to fight him again. Yeah. Even Krillin's like, what? What the hell are you talking about? Are you nuts? Yeah. 
it's a it's a character flaw and an interesting one. I think it really adds to Goku's character because, you know, he's not just the traditional sort of Western hero where it's like, I'm doing my best to fight for my friends and protect what I love. He's like, yeah, those things are important, but most importantly, I just I want to fight strong guys and get better at fighting. It's not completely, you know, unheard of to have, like, your, your main hero kind of bring shit upon himself and others, like... Just for a, a high-profile example, Iron Man, he's he's had a whole franchise built around his mistakes coming back to haunt him. Yeah. But um, I, I, I'm far from an anime expert, but I've seen enough to where, like, I haven't seen a protagonist yet in the anime that I've watched who's characterized in, in the way that Goku is. Um, because most protagonists that I've seen are kind of purely drawn in the, in that way like mm-hmm. they're just innocent or they might be a bit of a baby or they might be a bit immature or they might be a bit naive but they just want to be the best yeah like and they, they just sort of fall into the danger well i think with a lot of specifically with like shonen anime and manga like you definitely see the influence of dragon ball it's, it's cool having this because I was just going to say, you get to see the influence of Dragon Ball on all these other series, and you see a lot of protagonists, like in Naruto and One Piece and such, where you get sort of this more simple-minded protagonist who, you know, likes to fight and fights for their friends and everything. But like I was saying earlier, with Goku, it's specifically, like, the hierarchy is, I want to fight strong guys and improve myself, and second to that is... I want to protect my friends and all that I love. And with every other anime protagonist, it's switched. It's like, I want to protect my friends and all that I love. That's what's most important to me. And then second is, like, I want to fight strong guys and self-improve and everything. So, like, Goku's... That that one switch of, like, priorities is what makes Goku such an interesting protagonist in that, you know, he's not always going to make the right choice. He may sometimes make a selfish decision in order to do what he thinks will make him a better fighter, a better person, uh, even if it endangers others. Like, it, it it's, makes him a very interesting character, and sometimes the fandom, you know, calls him out for that bullshit, but, like, I think that character trait is so inherently tied to Goku that, like, I, w- I wouldn't want it any other way. It makes him so unique. Without spoilers, does he get called out in-universe at some point? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, A couple times, I, actually. Cool, cool. Um, I keep comparing the show and the characters to Sailor Moon. <laughs> because <laughs> because Erica, who was on the sh- Erica, my wife, who was on the show before, she's a huge Sailor Moon fan. Mm-hmm. And um, watching Sailor Moon has kind of been a big part of our relationship. Mm-hmm. And... I just, I see so many parallels between the two. Yeah. Um, I keep thinking, like, Goku and Usagi, Sailor Moon, would be great friends. Like, <laughs> like they would be such good friends. Uh-huh. And, like, the, the difference that, we, that we've been highlighting about Goku's character is, like, look at Usagi from Sailor Moon. Her first goal is to protect her friends. Mm-hmm. She's... She's a bit of a ditz. She's a klutz. She, you know, can kind of get carried away. She's a bit of a crybaby. And, um, but like when her friends are in danger, that's when she steps up to the plate. Even though she might not want to, she might be a little scared. But, um, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's gotten to the point where I'm actually kind of interested to try to read some like fan fiction. Like, <laughs> you want to read some slash fic of Dragon Ball no, and no, Sailor Moon? Not, no, not not slash fic, none of that. But like, and 
I'm not trying to poo-poo on fan fiction. I know it's a huge community. I know there's amazing talent in it, mm-hmm. but it's just something I've never been able to get into. Maybe yeah. I just haven't found the right story. But, like, because Sailor Moon's been such a part of my life, and uh, and it's important to me in that I share it with my wife, and I'm becoming such a fan of Dragon Ball Z, and I see so many similarities between them. I'm like, I want to see a crossover. I want to read a story <laughs> where they meet, and they have to fight an enemy, and they become friends, and Aww. all the interactions. and That's adorable. So maybe I'll task Erica, because she is fantastic at weeding out good stories. Yeah. Maybe I'll task her with finding with finding me one. Yeah, send it my way, because I would love to read something like that, too. Um, yeah, I mean, everybody, whenever these shows came out, they called Sailor Moon, you know, Dragon Ball for girls. And, you know, I think later on, it kind of flipped, and people were like, ah, Dragon Ball is Sailor Moon for boys. It's boys, just, yeah. yeah. But these two came out next to each other, and people couldn't help but compare them and contrast them to each other, you know? Sailor Moon, for all of its action series, is more of like a typical, like, like, young girls series where it's about, you know, friendship and the trials of everyday life in, like, a sort of regular world that's occasionally interrupted with monsters and stuff. Whereas Dragon Ball is a series about, like, high fantasy and sci-fi action sequences with monsters and stuff in a world that's not anything like our own. So, like, there are a lot of similarities and there's a lot of differences, but... The, like and they're both, like, they're both, like, the properties that introduced... Anime to the West. The West. Yeah. Anime to the West. Like it's it's Save the Moon and and Dragon Ball. Like those are like the big two. Yeah. They're the they're the popular kids of the anime. And it's it's really funny, we're kinda of going off on a tangent, but I don't care. Like that's what oh, podcasts are for. Yeah. The the whole filler discussion, I, I've noticed like I'm I'm still pretty much a, a noob. Do people still say noob? I don't know, I'm old. <laughs> um I'm I'm still a casual when it comes to anime. I've seen a handful Mm-hmm. I've liked a handful, but I'm not like in deep into the world of anime. But um, I, I know just from what I've seen and what I've experienced in the fandom that filler can kind of also be ubiquitous for bad. Yeah. Um, and I just and I don't technically agree, just because. Oh, I don't at all. Even though I haven't, even though I haven't seen the Dragon Ball filler, I'll, I'll probably still at some point give it a chance. But the original Sailor Moon from the '90s, like. I think that show was made in the filler. Like what made what made that show so charming and funny and memorable, a lot of it comes from the filler. Yeah. Because the nineties Save the Moon was padded to the hilt with filler. Mm-hmm. Just like Dragon Ball Z was apparently. Yeah. But um it, it's it's funny how like sometimes the story lends itself to filler and sometimes it doesn't. Because I mean there, there are, of course, there are fans that are, you know, original Dragon Ball Z all the way. Yeah, manga purists. Know, and manga purists and people like you or maybe a little bit younger who watched Kai first and like, no, Kai's better. So. Well, what I'll say about the biggest difference, first off, I think there's definitely a different, we use filler kind of for everything that's not from the original manga, but I think there's a big difference between filler and anime only content. Uh, filler being stuff that's like clearly just thrown in to kind of like pad out the show and, you know, space it out so that the manga can catch up and, you know, they can follow the story correctly. And anime only content being stuff that's added in to actually like add to the world, contribute like new elements to the world, new story beats, new 
takes on these characters. And, you know, a lot of the anime-only content from the original Dragon Ball anime is is great. You know, the like I was talking about earlier, the history of Bardock, which is Gotoku's father, that's anime-only content. It wasn't in the manga at all. And it's, like, one of the most beloved stories from the Dragon Ball canon. Uh, the history of Trunks, who you'll find later in the series, that's, like, anime-only content, and people love that. Um... But what separates, I think, the filler slash anime content from Dragon Ball versus Sailor Moon is that, like, Sailor Moon is a series that's designed around episodic stories. Like, each episode has its own little self-contained plot. Whereas Dragon Ball is big, sweeping arcs where they're fighting, like, one villain for episodes at a time. And in an episodic series like Sailor Moon, you can, like, watch episode after episode after episode of, you know, things that weren't in the manga, and it doesn't make that big a deal because, like, oh, it's just, like, a new little story that's only going to last for 20 minutes. But when you throw it into, like, a series like Dragon Ball, it's like, God's sake, just punch the guy! He's standing right in front of you! You've been talking for 20 minutes! Like, it breaks the pacing. Yeah, that that's what I was trying to get at, but couldn't quite find the words. Um, yeah. Just from watching the show so far and reading the manga... It's it's such an ongoing story, mm-hmm. um, and from what I can tell so far, like Kai, so far to me, because obviously I haven't seen the original, just seems so seamlessly edited and put together. Like I keep thinking, like, well, where would they even put filler? You know, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> but then our friend Dan, um, he he was over the house and he noticed that I was watching Kai and he's like, Oh, have you seen a bridge? <laughs> and, and I'm like, no, Isaac's told me that it's great. And so he's like, just watch like two episodes. And I did. And I'll probably get around to it later. It was funny. I liked it. Mm-hmm. But even in those couple, first couple episodes, like I was seeing shit that wasn't in Kai. I'm like, yeah. what is that? I didn't, st- w- w- when did that happen? Like when did, uh, what? Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of stuff cut out of Kai. Like I said, it's literally like almost half the length of the original Dragon Ball. Yeah, and it blows my mind. Yeah, some some of it is really cool stuff that was cut out that I wish they kept in. There was some like little adventures that Goku goes on on the like a long snake way that were cut out um, in the original anime, but. You know, overall, I think it's just you have to fix those pacing issues. Like, those pacing issues are just too atrocious to be ignored from the original Dragon Ball compared to Kai. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna, once I finish Kai, I'll probably, like, look up, like, best filler of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, we'll definitely watch, watch that stuff. <laughs> we'll watch the car episode and some of the other stuff. We'll definitely watch Bardock and History of Trunks. Those are killer, killer filler, not filler, anime-only episodes, because, like, they've got such cool world-building to them. Um, but yeah, I guess that kind of covers the Saiyan saga. Oh, there's a little, there's a couple episodes after they defeat Vegeta where, like you said, she Ch- Ch- shows up and <laughs> jumps over <laughs> Goku. give a shit about her husband. Yeah. She's like, I don't give a shit, just give me my baby. And Goku's like, beat the shit, can't even move. Um. I, I love how he's in the hospital just wrapped head to toe. He manages <laughs> nothing but his face. Completely broken. Um. A, a, a great humorous moment was, um. They're watching on TV. Oh, shit, what are they watching on TV? The Saiyan Pod. Watching, yes, 
Yes. And like they're all like, ah, and like Goku's Chinese like, what's going on? I can't see what's happening. I love that Bulma comes in too and she's like, I can get us to space with the Saiyan pod. Just look. And she presses the button and blows it up on television. Oh, God. It's so funny. Bulma's, I like Bulma's fun. She's a fun character. Bulma's um, a really fun character. And you get a lot more of her in the original Dragon Ball because she was like one of the main characters who was around a lot. But she still play like, every time she's in Z, she's fun. Just everything that's happening on Namek, like, she's not doing much. She's no. just there for, for comedy, but, like, it's just, like, she's having the worst time. She does. She's like, I hate this planet! <laughs> she does nothing on Namek. Like, she literally just drove them there and then got stuck throughout the whole arc. And it's so funny. She's just, she's just complaining that they keep leaving her behind, and, mm-hmm. like, she's completely oblivious to, like, the danger that they're in and how they're getting their ass kicked. And she's like, I can't believe they're leaving me here. Like, I'm so bored and this is terrible. And then, like, <laughs> like, a character like that can be very annoying, but, like, mm-hmm. for for some reason, like, I just, Bulma's very, very funny to me. There's I a, like her a lot. There's a charm to, like, because they're facing, like, world-ending threats all the time, and to have this one character just kind of be, like, a snappy little, like, spitfire <laughs> in the face of that, despite having no personal power, it's like, yeah, you can't help but lack a character like that, even though, like, they could die at any second. Like, the fact that they're here and cutting jokes and being snarky is just hilarious. Oh, I know what I wanted to bring up. Um, I might be ruining a future podcast episode, but, I mean, when when the idea for a conversation strikes, you take it. I, I haven't seen the whole thing, but I have seen parts... Of Dragon Ball Evolution. Oh. The movie that came out in 2000. Do you remember that? Uh, the shitty CG, like, live action one? The live action one. Yeah. I'm just like, everybody says Avatar The Last Air- the, the Last Airbender movie is, oh. like, the worst fucking thing ever. But I'm like... These are Todd. Is it, <laughs> is it worse than Dragon Ball Evolution? Because I've actually seen parts of Dragon Ball Evolution. And, having, and not having any attachment to the series at all, I'm like, this is fucking... Awful. No, you know what? <laughs> Evolution is worse because as shitty as the live Ooh, action, as a declarative sh- statement. Yeah, there we go. As shitty as the live action ad- Avatar is, it mostly follows the plot of the original, even if it does like a horrendous job of adapting it into a new like format. Uh, the Dragon Ball Evolution movie creates a completely new plot that has almost no respect it all for the Dragon Ball lore, and it's a complete shit fest that has like nothing entertaining in it. It's I'm glad I got a definitive no, this is worse than that. Yeah. Because I I like even today people are still bitching about how terrible the last Airbender movie is. It is. It's awful. And like, oh I, I, I have never seen it because God, I'm like ruining all of my geek cred. I've actually never even seen the Last Airbender show. We watched the like show. most of season one, and then Tyler went, "I don't want to watch this anymore." And I'm like, "How dare you? This is one of the best animated series of all time." You're completely ruining any chance of an audience we have by saying that I didn't finish the Last Airbender. Well, they know I did, so I, <laughs> I, I declare that it's one of the best animated series of all time, and we'll eventually it's, get Tyler. I know it's it. considered that, and I didn't dislike what we watched. I just 
I don't know why I didn't want to stick with it. I guess it's because when we were watching it, I had to go to Isaac's dorm to watch it, and I just... <laughs> well, give it give it a chance on your own terms, uh, it's, man. It's I'm definitely it's definitely gonna happen at some point. I'm definitely gonna have to. I have a friend Mark who loves it, and he wants to watch it with me. So maybe I'll watch yeah. it with Mark. Watch it with your real friends, someone who <laughs> you exactly. actually enjoy spending time with. <laughs> Bastard. But um. Yeah, I just what I was saying was I I I find I found it curious that how terrible the last Amber the movie is is still a conversation happening, mm-hmm. but everybody seems to just have flat out decided to ignore that Dragon Ball movie that came out. So I'm like, I wonder which is worse. Like, I I, I think part of the reason that the Dragon Ball Evolution, because yeah, people point out that it's shitty. Uh, part of the reason that Dragon Ball Evolution isn't as big of a conversation as the last Airbender thing is. For one, there is so much more Dragon Ball content than there is Avatar content. <laughs> like, Dragon Ball Evolution makes up such a small part of the overall, like, Dragon Ball franchise compared to what the Avatar movie does. Um, yeah, that's a good point. And second, like, it's also pretty obvious that, like, Dragon Ball Evolution was just a way for, like, Fox to keep the, right, the like, Western distribution rights to Dragon Ball. Like, it was just thrown together for them to be like, hey, we can keep distributing this series because we made another movie with Dragon Ball slapped on it. Whereas, like, the last Airbender movie had a big director tied to it. Like, Shyamalan at the time was a big name. It was, like, at the height of its popularity... Everybody was like, yeah, Avatar the Last Bender, Airbender movie, we're going to love that. And then it comes out and everybody's like, what the hell happened? Like, it was just the yeah. timing of it. Yeah, that's, that's a good point about the timing, because I, I didn't consider that. Because I'm like, well, they both have comparable fan bases. They're both huge. Yeah. Like, and Dragon Ball might be even a little bigger just because it's been oh, around longer. Dragon Ball is much bigger. As big of a fandom as Avatar has, Dragon Ball is one of the biggest franchises, like, media franchises in the world. I think it's in the top ten. I, I figured as much. Yeah. I, yeah, like, I, I just found it curious that, like, everybody just conveniently, not conveniently, but just, like, decided, like, we're not going to talk about that, but then flip it over to The Last Airbender, and people are still talking about how bad it was, but <laughs> you, make, make about how, you make a great point about how, like, there's just much more Dragon Ball content for people to enjoy. Yeah, because Avatar, Avatar only has, like, Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, and then, like, a few comic series and maybe a handful of video games that they made, whereas Dragon Ball has, like, Dragon Ball, Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball GT, Dragon Ball Super... Uh, like, all the Dragon Ball, like, dozens of Dragon Ball video games and, like, spin-off comics and, like, uh, all kinds of stuff attached to it. It's such a... manga. And how many movies? There's, like, what, like, 15 movies? Oh, tons of movies. Like, yeah. Animated movies, obviously. But. Yeah. Like, there's so much more Dragon Ball to consume than there is Avatar, and when you have, like, a smaller franchise and it does something shitty, you feel worse about it because it's, like, such a bigger percentage of what your franchise is connected to. Last topic, or maybe not last topic, we don't know. I remember back when I was working at Home Depot, mm-hmm. one of my work buddies, um, the movie Chronicle had just come out. Have you seen Chronicle? Chronicle. Uh, what it's, the found, it's the found footage movie where the teenagers get superpowers from a mysterious object. Oh, I, I never watched that. I saw like the previews for it, but I remember uh, seeing clips from it later on. It's a very good movie. Um, we should watch it. Um, 
but it was found footage and it played with the superhero concept, but being found footage was obviously low budget and it ends with, you know, characters flying around, hitting each other, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And my friend comes in Monday to work and he's like, Hey man, did you see Chronicle? I'm like, yeah. He's like, that was pretty fucking good. Wasn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it was really good. Surprising. And he just goes off on this. Like you're telling me like, say, man, that movie Chronicle, I know it was pretty low budget because it was found footage and stuff like that. You're telling me that they can pull all that off and make it look great in that movie, but they can't make a fucking good Dragon Ball movie. And he's just like, goes <laughs> off on this rant. Oh. <laughs> about how, like, they totally botched Dragon Ball. And like, yeah. if they just tried, they can make a good live action Dragon Ball movie. And watching the show and thinking back on that conversation, I'm like, is there a chance with the right filmmakers, the right budget, that a live action Dragon Ball movie See, could be awesome? I don't think we've had this conversation on the podcast yet, but like, I am so hesitant to... First off, adapting anything from one medium to another is a very very difficult task because you have different mediums of art have different ways that they convey information. Like when you adapt a manga or a comic into a TV show or an anime, you have to consider how like all the differences work when you actually put them in motion and everything. Like there's so much to adapting it to a different medium. And I'm especially hesitant with adapting animation into live action because Animation is a format that specifically allows for such a fantastic view of the world, even in its more mundane stories. Like, even if an animated movie or series is about, like, everyday life in the real world, the way that it's drawn, the way that it is animated conveys the world in such a fan, like a fantasy of the world. Like it's so much through a creative lens that like, you just can't really recapture in live action. There's so much to animation as a format that live action. I just don't feel like can capture. I'm sure there are, a few instances where like live action adaptations of animated series are have been really good but like for the most part whenever i see anything live action ad- adapted from animation i'm like why would i not just watch the animated version because so much work and effort and beauty went into this original version why would i bother watching a version where they're just filming people try and imitate that mm-hmm. that's completely valid I mostly agree, but caveat, (laughs) I think that the absolute glut and advent of superhero films um, can put that um, opinion to the test. Right. Now, I'm going to say something, and I don't want you to scoff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Just to get all the opinions around this for a second and just think visually. Mm-hmm. Let's look at Zack Snyder's superhero movies. Think think about the fight scenes that are in Man of Steel, the, the his, his Justice League, BVS. Think about how fast and powerful those movies were able to capture Superman and his enemies and the, and the hits and stuff. Like There is so much anime-inspired imagery in those movies. Yeah. Spe- specifically Dragon Ball-inspired imagery. Like I'm watching the show, I'm like, God, like that's like... That's some Man of Steel looking shit. And like, mm-hmm. it's just reading comments on YouTube and stuff like that. Like, do you think we could ever get a live action Dragon Ball movie? And like, I've seen a bunch of different people say, like, 
man, man, like Man of Steel is like the closest we're ever going to get as far as like capturing the power of these characters in live action. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying make, let Zack Snyder make a Dragon Ball Z movie. I'm saying the style that he used to depict those characters in those movies can be translated into making yeah. at least visually a very impressive Dragon Ball Z movie. Yeah. T- two things. First off, when we talk about live action nowadays, we are talking about CGI when we're adapting a lot yeah, of these yeah, things. Yeah, completely. Like, live completely. action means that it's a bunch of computer-generated graphics that makes it look closer to reality. Um, but yeah, I see where you're coming from, where like the action and stuff can be conveyed, and I certainly could see that. But think about the way these characters look, man. Krillin doesn't yeah, have I, a I, nose. I was gonna say, I was gonna say yeah. yeah, the character designs are gonna be hard to translate. Krillin How do you tell a story nose. in a condensed? Yeah. yeah. Like, Goku's hair is all over the place. Vegeta's hair, every character with hair has hair all over the place. It's spiky as crap and crazy looking. And, like, it it looks awesome in an anime or a manga, but when you try and put that in live action in like a three D model in like a hyper realistic model, it's like that's not gonna fly. And like Dragon Ball specifically is so tied to this fantasy element of like we're in a world that's like our own, but definitely not just like our own. There's dinosaurs still, and like animal people, and like aliens, and all this stuff that's like so different from the world we know, and Trying to convey that in a live-action setting, especially in a movie where you've got, like, a very limited time frame, I just don't see that happening in a way that's going to ever come close to matching the original. I think, optimistically, with enough time and the right people, they can design something that could please most people. What I think would be the hardest to crack is how do you tell the story? How do you condense the story? What story do you tell? Yeah, in a in a live action like because it's such a sprawling, ongoing, stretched out sort of narrative. Like, where do you start? You yeah. know, do you start with Goku as a kid? Do you tell kind of that story, or do you like start with him as an adult and just you know kind of like dole out exposition here and there? Like, do you start with Vegeta or Piccolo or Frieza? Like, what's the story that you're gonna tell? Yeah. In a Dragon Ball Z movie. A Bardock would- special would be cool, because that's a short story. It's just, like, the story of his father, and it's only, like, one episode long. I think it was actually, like, a 40-minute special. What story would you tell? Like, if you were in charge if, of, of spearheading... If I were in charge of a live yeah. action, I would probably do History of Trunks. And I've actually seen, like, I think fan films do that. I'll see if I can send one to you, where they try and do a live action History of Trunks I won't send that to you yet. You need to get to that point in the actual story, but I'll send it to you later. Yeah. That story is very short, self-contained. I think it was another like 45 minutes, maybe hour-long special. That story in particular is closer to being grounded in reality because it doesn't have aliens and stuff in it. It has like androids that would look much more realistic and wouldn't be as hard to like convey into like a, a CGI or even live-action character. You wouldn't have to, like, make them look super, super fucking weird. They'd look a lot more realistic. And it's also just a really, really good story. Because it's the story of, like, something that happens in a future timeline. Yeah, it's it's really good. And the fan films I've seen online are really cool. I'll have to look that one up and send it to you once you get to that point in the story. Because it's just such a good, such a good story. 
is, is that what would sell to a studio and a wider audience, though? <sighs> For Dragon Ball, I mean, the fans would eat it up because the fans love the history of Trunks' story, but like trying to convey it to a studio like, hey, let's make one that's not got Goku as the protagonist, like, they probably wouldn't buy that. A studio and I, wouldn't. I think even the fans would like, would want to see, like, the heavy hitters. Like, I, yeah. I'm not saying Trunks is a heavy hitter. I know he's a big character, even though I haven't gotten to him yet. But, you know, they're going to want to see, like... They want to see Goku and Vegeta. Goku and Vegeta and Piccolo and Frieza and... Yeah. I, I, just, like I said, I just don't see the point in putting all of this extra effort and money into trying to make something that I feel like can be better conveyed in the format that it's already in. Because the Dragon Ball Z movies are, even when, like, their stories are crap, like, the action in them is just so damn fun and beautiful to follow. And, like, like oh, Battle of Gods and Super Broly are both, like, some of the most beautifully animated movies ever made. They're, they're gorgeous. Really? Big action packs. Broly in particular is just a crazy slugfest from beginning to end. It's insane. Like, they're fun as hell to watch. Like, I, I just don't see the point in trying to convey that into a live-action setting when it's already done so wonderfully in animation. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Duly noted. If I had to guess, within the next five years, we might get news that they're going to try to make another Dragon Ball movie. I don't know. I don't know. Because I think Disney might have the rights now. <laughs> no, fuck, they do probably have the distribution rights. I don't know, actually. Shit. Ah, who gives a shit? Disney owns everything. Like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's too much of a big IP for these conglomerates to just sit on and not try to capitalize Yeah. On. Well, I th- they'd still have to go through, like, the actual Japanese studios and get their permission and stuff to probably make it anyway, but I don't know. I don't know, that's a whole me- messed up thing. Let's get back to actual <laughs> the actual series we were talking about, because we've gone quite the tangent here. Was there any last details? Oh, the Saiyan Saga technically ends with Gohan, Bulma, and uh, Krillin leaving to go to Namek and find a new set of Dragon Balls to wish back all the people who died. That's like the last episode that's technically considered in the Saiyan Saga. So that covers the recap. Did you have any final thoughts on the Saiyan Saga in particular? Only that... As a way to hook new viewers into a show, it does its job. Um, it's not, it's not meant to be an introduction because like it's just a continuation of Dragon Ball. Yeah. But it's told in such a like an immediate and exciting way that even somebody who doesn't have all the context like me, mm-hmm. like they'll get drawn into it just because like the design and look of everything is so dynamic. It's, most it's mostly well animated. It's funny, so I can see way back in the '90s why it, you know, captured the attention of so many people. Yeah, yeah, I, I love this. I, I always kind of forget the Saiyan saga um, for some reason. Whenever I think of Dragon Ball Z, I usually think of like the Frieza Namek saga and like the androids later on in Cell. Um, I usually think of them as, like, the big sagas in Dragon Ball, but, like, this first saga in Dragon Ball Z-Kai, I really like it, because it does so much to set up the sort of differences between Goku and Vegeta, and even just, like, the other alien races, like Frieza and all them, and, like, how, why they're evil, and how, like, their difference in ideology makes them evil. 
it also just sets up so many of the tropes that are going to come back later that while can be while they can be annoying at times, they're also so iconic to the series and fun when they happen. Like, oh man, we got to hold out until Goku gets here. I hope we can survive until Goku gets here. And also beam struggles and like it, it, it sets up so much of what makes like Dragon Ball Z an iconic series. So yeah, I, I think the Saiyan Saga is great. Yeah, um, agreed with everything you said, and I just, I just love how it all, it just firmly establishes the formula that's going to be in the show within this block of episodes. Like, even though it has no filler, like there's still like three or four episodes of just you know the Z fighters without Goku fighting the Saiyans and Goku's just trying to fly his ass back down Snake Way. Yeah. And, like, it'll just cut to him, like, once or twice in an episode, like, hang on, guys, I'm coming! That's <laughs> all we get. It's just... It's just yeah. It's He's like, just trying oh my to... god, Goku, get there already! <laughs> Hurry up! <laughs> Tyler doesn't like giving scores because, you know, his planet was destroyed by a math meteor. Because I'm, pretent- I'm pretentious, and I haven't even seen Avatar The Last Airbender. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you expect him to know math. Uh, I'm going to give the Saiyan Saga uh, 300 out of 365 monkeys. Bubbles out of out of 365 bubbles. Yeah. Or what about Gregory, the little cricket guy? The little cri- cricket guy? You can give him some- We can make it Gregory's. 300 okay. out of 365. Gre- I went with monkeys because that's what Frieza calls the Saiyans. He calls them dirty uh, Yeah, and, and they're technically big alien monkeys. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> I have some review review. This is for the series of Kai altogether, not just the Saiyan saga. I went to IMDb this time because I couldn't find a good, like, Rotten Tomatoes like conglomerate of scores for some reason. Uh, but on IMDb, Dragon Ball Z Kai is given an 8.2 out of 10. Which is, you know, higher than I expected. I remember when Kai first came out, fans were divided on it because, you know, people were like, oh man, it took out too much. It took out all the iconic bits and oh, they changed the tr- soundtrack and stuff. But like, people mostly love Kai. This is from Deus Ex Katrina. Uh, they say, the only version of Z you ever need to watch again. Dragon Ball Kai isn't just the best version of Dragon Ball Z. It's the only version of Dragon Ball Z anyone should ever watch. DBZ was bogged down by a nearly unwatchable amount of filler. What dragged Z down was the constant stalling. Scenes of people powering up for two episodes straight, replaying the same scene of people staring at each other three times. Entire episodes passed with absolutely no progress on the primary story storyline, but Kai fixes all this. The great fighting and exciting story of Dragon Ball Z is finally, for the first time ever as an anime, brought to its due glory. 10 out of 10. And, yeah, I completely agree with Katrina here. Well, I mean, I can't say one way or the other, but (laughs) (laughs) I mean, because I haven't seen the original, I've only seen a quarter of Kai so far, but... Yeah, you'll have to... What I've heard from you and other people, the the filler does seem pretty egregious, but I'm I'm still gonna... withhold judgment until you go um, back yeah until i go back and see some of it i mean i'm glad something that goes back and completely re-edits and remasters something as beloved as dragon ball z is mostly met with high praise yeah 
Uh, let's look at the exact opposite of that review. <laughs> ACDC underscore 4680 uh, says, Kai is just awful. I really don't understand why people praise Kai. I watched half of the Sand Saga, if that, and I just wanted to stab myself in the face and rip my ears off. The transition from old anime to new is just dreadful. They should have just redrawn the entire thing and added the original voices. Stay away from Kai and watch the remastered and uncut version, which is superior to this abomination. One out of ten. I one out of ten. <laughs> there's only two actual things in here that they give a reason for why it's awful. Yeah, and one of them is they should have just redrawn the entire thing. There was some there's there was some visual stuff that they did with Kai that makes it look brighter than the original Dragon Ball Z because a lot of the cells, like the actual animation cells from Z, were lost or I think actually just thrown away after they finished the series, which is a tragedy. So um, they did some stuff that recreated them, and because of that, it looks a lot brighter than Z did. Um, but, like, I, I don't think there's anything egregious in Kai that looks, like, wildly different from the original. Yeah. Um, from From what I've read... And what I've seen so far, it seems that, like, there are brief moments and shots where, like, the animation is, like, updated and a little cleaner and smoother looking. Mm -hmm. But everything I've seen so far that I've noticed, it's it's pretty brief and it doesn't seem all that, it doesn't really stand out all that much. So, I don't know what they mean by, like, they should have just redrawn everything. Yeah, and then he says, added the original voices. Like, most of the original voice actors here are the original voice actors. There's a, there's a handful that they switched out because the voice actors died or retired, but, like, for the most part, these uh, for both the dub and the sub, these are the same voices. I did read that the, the two voice actors for... I believe it's Goku and Vegeta. Does... Is Vegeta one of the people that was recast Vegeta, in the dub? Vegeta had a different voice actor later in the series, like in the original oh. anime. Like in the, in the Saiyan saga, he had one English voice actor, and then they switched him out later on, which is why the iconic like "It's over nine thousand line from the original anime uh, sounds different than like his voice later on in the series. But like they used the voice actor that they used for Vegeta, like in the original anime, just from, like, later on in the series. I, I, I did read that two of the dub actors in Kai, one of them, definitely Goku, I can't, it might have been Vegeta, might have been Piccolo, but one of the other main dub actors who was in both preferred their performances in Kai to Z, because I guess they just had more time. Yeah, they've had more experience. They know these characters better. Yeah, Sean Schemmel, who's the voice of uh, Goku, like he's the same character. He's he's been doing Goku for years. He knows he knows. I there's one thing I love about the Dragon Ball the Dragon Ball sub. The voice actor for Goku is like a little old lady, and she's amazing. Like you should just go and watch some clips of like Dragon Ball subbed because she's got like a really like Goku sounds completely different. He's like, ah, I'm going to kill you. He's got like a high pitched voice, and it's great. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I, I don't get this person's argument. Like, none of the animation stuff in Kai is so egregious as to make it, it... If anything, it looks cleaner than the original. Like, it looks better. And audio-wise, the, it, like, it's a different recording of the original voice actors, but, like, it's still the original voice actors. They know what they're doing. I mean, I, I can't judge. Obviously, I've said it a million times. I haven't seen the original. Yeah. But, um... With with something that has so much nostalgic power as Dragon Ball Z, like 
with, with so many kids that grew up watching the original version, like for some people, you know, something that's different, it's just not going to sit right with them. And yeah, I can't blame them. You know, I'm that way with some things too. Yeah. But like, I just, I just like how this review doesn't really say anything critical. It's just like, this mm. fucking sucks because it sucks. Yeah. And it's not the original. It sucks one out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do one more because a lot of these reviews are just comparing it to the Z. And since you haven't seen Z, you can't really make a comment. But this one cracks me up. This one isn't even really a review. This is from Aldenish, I think is how it's pronounced. And he says, Aldenish says, sequel idea. Here is my sequel is spelled with S-E-Q-U-A-L, by the way. (laughs) Uh, Here is my sequel idea. Goku is over 9,000 and now has gray hair. After that, the more powerful he gets, his hair starts changing from yellow to blue to red to other endless colors. He's almost unbeatable at that point until he meets a kid who somehow rivals him after eating fallen hair follicles. (laughs) 10 out of 10. I don't all in hair follicles. I I don't I'm guessing this is a troll or something. It kind of sounds like he's talking about My Hero Academia where like Midoriya eats All Might's hair to get his powers. Is it a JoJo reference cuz apparently everything's a JoJo reference. Oh, that's so. entirely possible <laughs> too. But it's just oh, I would love to see this weird sequel for Dragon Ball guy that you've offered Aldenish. It's such an interesting idea. Don't they get blue hair at some point? I think, like, yeah, I've definitely seen, like, images of, yeah, in Super. So far, oh God, I will just list all the Super Saiyan transformations that I know of. I'm sure there are more that I'm forgetting. There you is, haven't seen Super yet, right? I, I know enough about Super just from seeing clips and watching the movies and stuff that I basically know everything that happens in Super, but I've not actually watched it through. So there's the original Super Saiyan, then there's a weird thing that happens later on where they don't technically go Super Saiyan 2, but instead they go Super Saiyan Grade 2 and Super Saiyan Grade 3. And then they basically retcon those to be just, nah, those are just different forms of Super Saiyan. Uh, and then there's Super Saiyan 2, there's Super Saiyan 3, in GT there's a Super Saiyan 4, but su- I don't think this is GT's cop. Ca- like canon anymore. It gets weird. Um, then in Super, they introduce Super Saiyan God, and then they introduce Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan, which is the Super Saiyan Blue. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's canon Super name. And, God, yeah, it's canon name is Super Saiyan God Super Saiyan, and they I think, I think they make a joke and it. it's like that's too much to say. Let's just call it Super Saiyan Blue. <laughs> And then, I think that's all of the Super Saiyan forms. There's another form that Goku gets in Super, but I won't spoil it for you, because it's badass as hell. Goku, Goku. Mm. Yeah, I'm, a uh, man, I'm, you can tell I'm into it, because I'm already, like, thinking, oh, man, I can't wait to get to Super, and I'm holding, like, <laughs> There's 45 some... episodes into Kai, so. I, I love the Super movies. I've watched all the Super movies, because the first two are basically the first two story arcs from Super anyway, and then this Dragon Ball Super Broly happens after Super. But I don't know about the actual series. I haven't actually sat down and watched it. I've heard a bunch of different uh, takes on it. Like, a lot of people have differing opinions on Super. It's a little more controversial down the board of whether or not it's good. But I'm excited for us to watch that one, too. Should we do recommendations? Um, I didn't even think of that. I feel like it's so hard to recommend anything with Dragon Ball because so much stuff has been influenced by Dragon Ball. 
Like, obviously, yeah. I can recommend, like, go, go read the manga or go re- watch the original Dragon Ball anime or check out the movies or even the Team Four Star Bridge series. I love that. You can watch that if you're a big Dragon Ball fan. But, like, every shonen anime ever, Naruto, One Piece, Fairy Tale, all these different series, like, they're all inspired by Dragon Ball. And even Western stuff has been inspired by Dragon Ball. I can't think of a single thing that Dragon Ball hasn't touched over, like, the past two decades. So, like, I really don't know what to recommend. Like, if you haven't heard of Dragon Ball at this point, like, just watch Dragon Ball. Uh, well, I'll just, uh, I'll bring it back to, uh, Chronicle. <laughs> yeah. Um. There you go. If, if you like Being powers and, and, and strength and displays of power and people... How, how people react to receiving extreme power chronicles, a good exploration of that. Um, it, it's, it, if you, if you squint, it kind of sort of has a Goku, Vegeta sort of thing <laughs> going on with two of the characters. Okay. Um, so you can, yeah, you can check out Chronicle and, um, Sailor Moon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, if you, I mean, if, if you fucking, if you watch Dragon Ball, like you probably have seen Sailor Moon. Everyone has. But, yeah. But hey, if you're looking for a fun sort of inverse of Dragon Ball, uh, watch Sailor the Moon because it's 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 also beautifully animated and it's funny as hell and it's cute and it's charming. I love the art styles for anime from that period, the art style and the animation. It's just like late eighties anime, yeah. Some of the most beautiful animation ever put to film. Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I kind of. I have a huge soft spot for just the hand-drawn anime look. Like, mm-hmm. like I said before, I'm not I'm not huge into the world of anime, but when it's when it's hand-drawn and it has that look and that flavor and that personality to it, I just I just find it infinitely more pleasing to the eye than a lot of the more modern, cleaner yeah look of, yeah. of anime today. Yeah. It looks a lot of anime that I've seen that's newer and more modern just has too much of a shine, a sheen to mm-hmm. it. It's almost too bright, too colorful. Yeah, too too bright, too clean, almost. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Maybe that's what that guy was trying to say about Kai. So watch watch Kai. If you haven't ever gotten to Dragon Ball because you were uh, intimidated by the long episode length, you know, 167 episodes is still a lot, but it's a lot less than 290. Yeah, it's, some. Not, it's not almost 300. <laughs> yeah, it's it's way less than that. And uh, yeah, I can I can say I'm just I'm grateful for Kai because. As much as I've wanted to watch Dragon Ball Z over the years, like it, it, it has. It's always been the length. I'm like, yeah. There's even if I end up, even if I ended up liking it, I thought to myself, there's no way I'm gonna end finish this. That's a, like I've, I'm, I'm into too much other shit to watch yeah. 300 episodes of an anime. So that, that's a problem with shonen anime in general, like Naruto and God One Piece specifically. <laughs> have well, these problems. I'm on a One Piece mission as well. I, know, um, I started reading that manga, and I'm a about 40 something chapters in so far and I'm enjoying it so I'm you ride that high baby I'm gonna just try plowing through it as much as I possibly can yeah I'm I'm impressed because I've never had the stamina for that I just I I like stories a lot of people will whenever you mention that like anime and manga series like this that go on for a long period they'll be like oh well western comics go on for decades at a time it's like yeah but western comics also have like multiple writers and multiple like interpretations Um, and arcs and retcons and stuff that like constantly change the way that these characters are being written the kind of stories that they're used in it's not one continuous story 
beginning to end, same writer, same characters. It's like a seer. It's like a, a franchise when it's Western comics where it's like multiple people taking different takes on these same characters with like w- with anime and manga specifically like shonen stuff you'll have hundreds of chapters of manga or episodes of the anime and like it's all one ongoing story told from this one person's perspective on these characters and at some point it's just like i want this to end i don't know how i don't care how much i love it i need this story to end so that i can feel satisfied with the experience you know like, I know that's gonna, like, I'm gonna piss off a lot of Shonen fans by saying that. A lot of people are gonna be like, you just don't understand, like, the... I, I like Shonen anime. I love a lot of Shonen anime, but, like, there's just, there's a limit to how much I can take in. And Dragon Ball already pushes that limit, so other series that go even longer, it's just like, mm, I I don't know if I can do it. That That's what made me want to try One Piece, because, um... Okay. You hear two things. You hear two things. Like, there's the huge One Piece fans that are like, mm-hmm. "It's fucking amazing. It's everything." And then the people that are just like, "It's just too much." And but like, you you know how YouTube rabbit holes go down. You you, you find one, you fall into. You don't plan on it. But I watched like a couple of like really lengthy video essays about how amazing One Piece is. Yeah, I mean, people are like, like no pressure. But like, if any of this like. Sounds like it floats your boat. Just give it a chance. Eh, like floats your boat because they're pirates. <laughs> and like apparently, like apparently, like the world building just is it's fantastic, and the characters like become so dimensional, and like it just gets better as it goes on. And I'm just like, yeah, you know what? A lot of this does sound pretty intriguing. So why not? You know, why not start it? So uh, good for you, man. Uh, if if you get if you keep going, I might follow you along because like it's always been a series that's interested me, but like it's been a mountain I haven't been ready to climb. Fair enough. I mean, I to- it's over a thousand chapters. I totally get it, and yeah. I'm and I'm only forty some odd in. Right. So I, I totally get it. And manga goes way faster than the show. The show's like eight hundred episodes plus, and it's but it's it's already tugged my heartstrings three times so far. In nice. 40-some-odd chapters, so... Nice. All right. Well, any closing thoughts on the Saiyan Saga from Dragon Ball Z, Kai? I'm just kicking myself in the butt for not watching it earlier, <laughs> and this this is how much I'm loving it. Um, I was at McKay, which, to people who don't know, because it's mostly a <laughs> thing, yeah. it's, this, it's this giant used media store with thousands of books, DVDs, Blu-rays, comics, toys... And I was just there putzing around, and they have loose Dragon Ball toys mm-hmm. in the toy section for like six bucks. And I see them, and I'm like, oh my god, I need to get one! <laughs> and <laughs> I got a Goku in his Super Saiyan form, and like I hadn't even gotten to the point where he goes Super Saiyan yet. That's that's how into it I'm, I, I am. I just had to get this Goku it. figure in I Super Saiyan form. One of these days, whenever we get through Super or whatever, we need to sit down and we need to have our own take on the Superman versus Goku fight. We'll throw oh, our yeah. own hat in the ring there. But we gotta mm-hmm. actually get to Goku's peak before we can have that conversation. And you need to read a lot more Superman comics. Yeah, there's a lot more Superman I need to go through before I can have that combo, too. Alright, well... This has been Tongue and Geek, where two more white guys on the internet talk about all things geeky. Thank you for joining us, and remember, you can't get back the time you spent listening to us. Nope, not at all. Nope.